Uh, the lights open at 4.30. If I can convince my wife I'm going to be there at 4.30 when the lights open because, you know, it's a 2 p.m. kickoff exactly. and you can't tailgate all day if you don't start before sunup. You gotta love the holidays, or really the entire month of December. This particular month has been extra special for Georgia fans. On the second, the Dogs beat Auburn to win the SEC Championship. It was one of those games where you get to relax a little bit in the fourth quarter, especially when DeAndre Swift put it away with a long touchdown run. And then came Selection Sunday. Georgia fans knew that we were in the playoff, but got to experience the fun and anticipation to see who and where we would play. And it was Oklahoma, are you kidding me? In the Rose Bowl of all places. That was an awesome feeling. And then you allow yourself plenty of time to bask in the glory of going to the Rose Bowl for the first time in 75 years. It was announced three weeks before Christmas, so you got to shop. You purchased all kinds of memorabilia and merchandise for yourself and your loved ones. Some Georgia fans even booked flights to California to see it in person. So then you get Hanukkah and Christmas and you hang out with your family. You continue to read and watch all of the amazing content that Georgia football social media accounts put out and you absorb anything and everything Rose Bowl and college football playoff. But now it's finally here. In a matter of days, the dogs will begin the final chapter to this amazing 2017 season. Nerves are starting to get a little bit frayed and the fun and frivolity of holidays will slowly begin to fade as we turn our sights to the granddaddy of them all. The dogs are in the college football playoff, and this is episode 123 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. Will Leach, Tony Waller, and myself, Scott Duvall, are about to provide you our take on the matchup. So sit back, recline in that airplane seat. For those of you traveling to California, it is a long trip, and this is an almost two-hour episode. So certainly, it'll help you get through at least half of your flight. Here's Tony to get us started. I don't know if you know this. We're going to the Rose Bowl. Yeah. You're going to the Rose Bowl. I am definitely going to the Rose Bowl. First off, first off, okay. we'll, we'll, we have plenty to talk yeah, about. Yeah, Rose Pace Bowl. yourself. Yeah. Pace so, yourself. yeah. <laughs> Waller, no. I don't want to overstate this, no. but uh, I feel terrible for Scott because here he is in his new home, which we in these wonderful offices, and Tony went blasting through the drywall like the Kool-Aid man, uh, ready to do this show today. He is very, very amped. And why wouldn't he be? Because... It's been a. We'll, we'll get into uh, all, everything that's going on, but first off, welcome back. Everyone had a very uh, happy holiday and Merry Christmas season. Yeah, it was a great Christmas. Yeah, I think it's been two weeks since we yeah, spoke. It's been with weird. Each other. It, it is weird. It's strange because I guess this is part of the playoff, the weirdness of it, that the SEC Championship feels like it was forever ago. And, yeah. and, and, you're still gearing up for this. And in the middle of this, and this will be something, of course, we'll talk about, is th- this big recruiting stuff happens right in the middle for the first time ever. <laughs> that totally snuck up on me. Yeah. Well, yeah, oh, yeah. It, well it's, yeah. it's because it's never been at this time before. So it's very straight. I understand why they do it, and it makes sense. And it certainly makes sense for a big program like Georgia. It's funny. It's actually uh, perfect for a big the recruit, new recruiting signing day is a perfect for a place like Georgia, which is a huge recruiter, and great for a place like Georgia Southern. Yeah. Because those are the people that, those middle-tier four-star guys who would like to go to a Clemson or would like to go to an Auburn, but Auburn's keeping their options open. A lot of times they want to go ahead and sign with the smaller program so they can be assured of something rather than to wait it out. So, But the ones in the middle, like your Illinois, <laughs> those are the ones that get kind of screwed over. Uh, but uh, it, it has been – it just feels like so much has happened even since we talked. Um, so let, before we get to run through a wall mode, 
Before we get to run through them all mode, let's talk a little bit uh, about news items. News items. I think there are, there are several big ones. Yes. Uh, for, we'll, we'll start from the unfortunate and, and then uh, build up toward the fortunate. Okay. Uh, Natrish Patrick uh, will not be playing. Uh, he's clearly, as it turned out, uh, as I uh, personally apologized to Seth Emerson after haranguing him about this on Twitter. Um, no, he did give me credit. He said, you were at least being objective about it as a fan of weed rather than the Georgia Bulldogs, <laughs> which for the record, I like the Georgia Bulldogs a lot more than weed. I want to make that very clear. I have, wa- I have, fine, fine. I have watched a Georgia game in the last two years. There you so, go. <laughs> yes. so I think yes. that clearly tells me something. But I had kind of got into the discussion about uh, um, about about uh, Patrick and how the presumption that this kid has a problem seems like maybe assuming facts, not in evidence. So it turned out he does have a problem and he will be sitting out and getting the help that I think he clearly needs. I, I didn't understand why he needed to go to rehab for a pot addiction. Well, because they found opiate. They oh, found opiates. Okay. So opiates, I didn't read yeah. that far. Well, and, and here's the thing about it. And you... I, t- I took I took Jeff Schultz to task a little bit, and of course Jeff Schultz has no idea who I am, which yeah. is fine with me. Uh, but I took him to task a little bit because he put out a. Uh, yeah. what That's could, what I was taking Seth to task for, even though uh, Seth didn't write it. What, what could be charitable, descri- charitably described as a thought piece? It felt a lot like typical AJC clickbait, and and Seth is not one of those. Ty Brown's not one of those. Um, there are writers there that do go for that, and Jeff Schultz is one of them. And. I I know Jeff Schultz come from a place of honesty with this. His his son his struggles his son's struggles are well documented, and what they went through with their son when he was a student here at the University of Georgia are well documented. I just felt like I, where Schultz came from came across as preachy, holier than thou, and frankly, it didn't really it really had nothing to do with. Natchez Patrick and everything to do with Tisk Tisk Georgia. Well, it, it's worth noting too that he didn't like. Now we have more information about what Natchez, uh, what was what was in Natchez Patrick's system, right? How this has been repeated. Like, that's more information than he had at that time. Sure, he was going on a presumption of something, which I think was maybe a little bit unfair. In my, in but my, to be fair, I was going under assumptions of something as well. Sure, which is that it was just weed. But but my point, my point in all of that is that look, if he had come at this, it's like. Patrick needs help. If you're going to help Patrick, the way to help him is get him in a program. That's not what he said. He said, Georgia should be ashamed of themselves if they let this kid play. They're just enabling him. They don't care about the kid. And it was, I didn't think it was fair. And, And frankly, I have to say that my biggest problem, one of my biggest problems about on how Georgia has handled these sorts of things in the past has been, um, it, it really has been, it's felt like at times, that has been more about the appearance of doing this thing rather than what are we doing to help the kid. And, and, and I could be completely operating with no information about all these great things that happened and that helped, that these kids got help as a direct result of what Mark Rick and, and the Georgia Athletic Department did. But the difference here is that they took their time, they waited until they had as much information as they could, or at least they needed, and then they got the kid on a program. And I thought it spoke volumes that was Ron Corson who was out there doing this, and not Kirby, not the AD, not the university president, not Jimmy Williamson, the team doctor. Ron Corson was out there talking about what was best for him medically and, and worrying about Natros Patrick. Does it hurt that Natros Patrick is playing in the, in the Rose Bowl? I think it does. Um, but I also agree that he has a problem. 
if he has a problem, getting him in rehab so he can come back as uh, as somebody who can do his do his very best to graduate from college and potentially continue his football career is the right, just, and it's actually the good thing to do. Yeah, and it's worth noting that Georgia did what uh, Schultz didn't and what I didn't. It actually took its time before casting yeah. judgment on yep. something. So I think Absolutely. That, that's what that is all you can ask. Everything for. is for these days to just jump to conclusions. I usually try not to do that. I, I think I was just very fired up by the tone of Schultz's piece, while understanding right, the tone was the tone yeah. was really and listen particularly. Over the top. I particularly didn't like the idea, and I don't know Schultz. He doesn't seem that terrible to me. I've, he's never like jumped out at me. It's, like I think Seth is really great, and yes. so I think he's what you kind of want. Uh, but I understand that other people have other. Have other priorities and other. Frankly, it's kind of like a tenured professor, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, other been people, there long yeah. enough, and they have other jobs. Like they have other jobs to do. Like Emerson's not; it's not his job to do stuff like that. Right. Schultz's job to do something like something like that. So, I, but to me, the idea—not just that it was the tone of it, but then the well, listen, you can't criticize this piece because I've been through this. My yeah, that, and that was my, my point. Was my point was look. If you want to come from, if you want to come from this right. and talk about the things your family's been through and why you think the, the kid needs help and how we yeah. can get him help and and talk about that, fine. Right. And and I took actually, um, I don't remember who it was now, but somebody I know really well kind of took me to task about it. Like, oh, I have respect for what he has said about that, I, and I agree. Listen, I've dealt with this too. My family's dealt with right. this too. Yes. Literally, almost like the majority of families have dealt with this in one way or the other. So the idea that your hot take is somehow insulated because right. of your personal experience right. is something that, just professionally speaking, I am very wary of because lots of people, like, not to say that, like, not to diminish his experience, it sucks. My family's been through it too. But the idea that, therefore, you can't disagree with me on this or you're, beca- or you're being disingenuous on this. Right. But that said, it's also fair then to criticize Georgia fans who, ju- who, just, who just said, who just wanted him to play. Right. No, 100%. <laughs> and that's another issue. So I think that's a close the Patrick thing. Right. Uh, we, we can discuss when we get in the game notes what they do, uh, what they're going to do at his position. Right. Uh, second thing, which I think is happier news. The plane that they flew to L.A. on? No, that not was yet. happy. Not yet. We'll get to <laughs> that, that in a second. That happy. I mean, that was the biggest <laughs> plane I've ever seen. <laughs> Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. I know we're going to get to the plane, but I know exactly. The second I saw that, I was like, Scott's going to love the shit out of that. Scott's going to love the plane. Scott's going to love the plane. Um we got to talk about Cruton. We're going to talk about Cruton. So we're, basketball we're, we're recruiting. Building oh, we're see, building up. We're building up. I'm thinking, like, let's dive we're into We're talking about basketball talk. recruiting. Yeah, yes, talking about basketball recruiting. But I, I kind of like what you're doing. Yeah. You're kind of, you know, we're Making getting out of the, it's Making like the appetizer yeah, waiting for the main course. Clear the decks. Boosh, yeah. Clearing the okay. decks. And um, also very key, Iowa just defeated Boston College in the pinstripe bowl. So. Uh, that looked I, really cold. <laughs> that was very cold. Did we finally get our, our long-awaited 11-7 to 7 game or 11-9? to 9? No, it was a, it was it was a barnstorming 27-20. to 20. So, mm. yeah, it's, it's a shootout uh, in, in the Big Ten uh, ACC. So, no, uh, recruiting, um, it was funny. I, I generally have always – I've discussed this before how I try not – recruiting to me, I always try to take my dad's attitude about it. Which is basically when the team shows up on the field. Oh, awesome! It's like Christmas morning. Look who I have on my team. Yeah. This is amazing. That said, these these rankings matter in terms of perception. They they matter in terms of momentum, and and to see 
It's funny. This recruiting class would have been just as good if they would have not made the playoff. There didn't seem to be a lot of sense that people came here just because they made the playoff. Like clearly something good was happening and something was building. But the idea to put this class together, and yes, they got that tied in from Illinois. (laughs) Then that was a total. And this Travis Ford's kid, right? Yeah. This. This. uh, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, I thought it was Colt Ford's kid. Colt Ford kid. Uh, the, the same way that like a basketball recruit in Georgia yeah. will throw Georgia State onto his top five just to show just to help out some local AAU coach somewhere. Yeah. That is what that guy did by putting Illinois on there, which I thought was sweet of him. So, do you know where he's from? He's from Illinois. He's I from, mean, I mean, I know that. Uh, no, he's from, he's Chicago Sh- suburbs. Chicago, yeah, right? Chicago yeah. suburbs. That's like. That's, I mean, I know <laughs> because I'm from downstate, but, uh, but one of the many Chicago suburbs up there. Um, but to see what they did uh, to put a class together and to basically, and I think I, I saw this, uh, this exact uh, quote put down, they out alabama Alabama. Now, our friend Matt Adair, who is an Alabama fan, noted that we should pump the brakes a little bit on that. Like, Georgia did have a better uh, recruiting class, but this was a different, this was kind of a middle class for Alabama. They were more, they obviously still did awesome, but they also were filling in some holes as opposed to trying, like, Kirby's is still in a, I'm getting the most awesome class ever, whereas... Nick Saban in year 10 of this doesn't have to, he can fill in gaps and see what his team needs. Whereas Kirby is like, give me a third five-star quarterback and give me an eighth five-star running back. He's still like showing off and showing off the program, which is totally smart and what you should do. And I think, and Matt's argument is yes, the players coming in on this class for Georgia are on a macro level and a collective level better than the class coming in for Alabama. But there is context context beyond just this class. So putting aside the Alabama thing for a second, that class is awesome. It is so good everywhere. They really just cleaned up in every possible. I think Clemson had the number two class and Ohio State had the number three class. But the general consensus was, was Georgia was higher, was one was higher than two in a way that Everyone else was kind of bunched together. It was just a killer, killer class. Yeah, you know, the one thing, I think we might on the same text thread about that with Matt. I think the thing that, um, the thing, my takeaway from it, as much as anything is, you know, we outdid Alabama or whatever, is that um, this this class set up particularly well for what Georgia needed. Um, and then they went off, and they also showboated. And then they kept going. And right? then they also showboated by signing yeah. some more offensive linemen. And, they're also like backing off of top 100 guys because well, yeah, they think they can we, get a top 50 guy. Well, that's, that's, can you imagine you're in that situation? Interestingly, yeah. a guy decommitted on Christmas Day for quote unquote reasons outside of my control. He is a top 100, 100 150 position player uh, in the nation. Um, but he was also like the fourth lowest person in Georgia's class <laughs> as, a, as a high three, low four star. And that tells you, one, even though we've signed 21 or two, um, there's still room out there and some guys we think are going to come. The, the second part I would say about that is that even objectively, this class is better than eh, objectively, considering we're talking about ranking, ranking high school football players. Um, objectively, this class is better than any class that's been signed by since anyone since probably 13 or 14. That, that massive uh, Alabama class that... Now they're in their third college playoff in a row, right? Um, and, and Matt's point, which is a good one, is that you have to do this on a sustained level. Now, we've had two very good classes in a row. Um, and it wasn't as if Mark Rick had slouched, uh, slouched at, at, 
at recruiting for the most part, although there's some notable class misses in there. Um, the thing that I like the most about it, and, and I'm, I'm a lot like your dad. It's like, hey, cool. You know, yeah. like, look, it's Christmas morning. Yeah. It's, it's August like, and we have a football team. This, this Swift guy is amazing. He's so fast. Right. Um, the thing about it to me is that it did get an awful lot of um, eyeballs looking at Athens and what Kirby Smart's building that regardless of whether we were in the college football playoff, we're going to come as directly as a result of basically leapfrogging on um, a, a couple of teams that were in the playoffs last year and also on um, going and in, in taking um, a Tennessee legacy, a five-star offensive guard who had committed to Tennessee a long time ago and getting him to slip on signing day on um, volunteer tears are the sweetest. They just, I mean, you <laughs> know, know look, look, unicorn blood is good for healing wounds, but man, do volunteer tears that are they awesome. Don't be surprised if next year you get like a top 10 guy out of California, maybe Southern California, because I wouldn't put it past them to be planting some seeds right now while they're out in a greater L.A. area. If you can go out there and steal an Illinois guy from the Illini, you can go into <laughs> California. Everything's on the table. Everything's on the table. Um, <laughs> Uh, but, it, you know, it, and it, it's worth knowing, too. It's fun, like, learning a little bit more about the class, too, now that it's official. Like, one of the things I found fascinating, I did not know that Fields is, like, an academic brilliant. Like, yeah. like Fields is, like, like he could have gone to an Ivy League school. I didn't know that about it. That instantly, yeah, yeah, he had, I that mean, instantly makes me like him. So, like, yeah, yeah, I mean, he had offers yeah. from Stanford yeah. and from, I mean, if, uh, anybody that's a football, quote-unquote, football blue blood and also high academic yeah. school, um, he had offers from. Yeah, so, I would like Like to, Duke? Yeah, I'm sure he had. But he wouldn't have wanted to play in the Quick Lane Bowl. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. nothing. Which I mean, they're perfectly happy to do. Taking out the Huskies. I know. That was but, a real boring game. I think the worst bowl game I've seen so far is Utah West Virginia, yeah. the Heart of Dallas Bowl, Ugh. where I think 250 people. Love you, Zaxby's. Yeah. Oh yeah, Zaxby's. <laughs> yeah, this after I trashed Zaxby's last time. No, I didn't. Yeah, I was trying to run you off, and that's like, yeah, I'm sorry. Listen, be I, cool. listen, I have eaten his Zaxby's, and it's fine. It's just, you know, it's the replacement Chick fil A. That's okay. Is it? That's a replacement Guthrie. It's the Sunday yes. Chick fil A. Okay, Sunday yeah, I can that. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, so, okay, any uh, one brief basketball second uh, before we Yeah, we got to have, have it. We got to talk about it. We got to talk about it. So, uh, first off, talk, speaking of recruiting, they got a five star point guard, a five star point guard whose name is Von Marbury right now. No, he's from Newton High School, oh, yeah. though, in Covington. Um, I know you're talking about. Yeah, basically came to us in Georgia Tech. Yeah, and they and why would you go to Georgia Tech right now? Yeah, <laughs> and why would you ever go? Well, I mean, the coach right is now. one of the coach's yeah. best friends, whom he swears he doesn't know, has a really nice place in Arizona. Yes, apparently. yes. Um, but certainly, when you look for what uh, you mm-hmm. want out of Mark Fox and you want out of the dogs to get going, you want them. The as I said, the Massachusetts loss was difficult, but they rebounded with two wipeout victories, yeah. killing Georgia Tech, and then particularly wiping out Temple, which I found very strange today. Uh, today, Joe Lunardi, the ESPN bracketology guy, came out with his bracket. Georgia was one of the next four out. Okay. But Temple was easily in. And I'm like, Georgia literally just beat them by 28 points. Yeah, I mean, I, I, Temple's <laughs> so, RPI was, is still in the team. It's teams, still high, so. but I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that, it, it's a good... Is that remi- the type of thing that works itself out? It does. RPI generally... RPI, first off, they've de-emphasized... Or they've claimed they're de-emphasizing RPI. RPI is a deeply flawed set because the basic problem, it doesn't account for how much you beat a team by. A 28-point win counts as much as a one-point win, right. which, which in, like, Little League... Hey, all the matters is the win. Doesn't matter how much you won by, is fine. But when you're actually trying to judge teams against one another, aren't you glad that 
the college football playoff doesn't do that. Like that's so stupid to to use this thing that doesn't count. I guess it's kind of like NFL football. The Falcons might make the playoff and they look terrible. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But like, you know, yeah, but if it be Carolina, nine and seven is nine and seven. Um, but but otherwise, uh, Georgia appears to be in has put itself in a position heading into the SEC uh, season, which they play New Year's Eve, 6 p.m. at Kentucky. It's their first SEC game. So a good little palate cleanser uh, for the big game. Think they have a chance? I mean, with Claxton and Hammond. Kentucky is really struggling right now. Uh, They actually play. I don't know if people have heard this by the time the Louisville game is over, but um, they play Louisville at home. Kentucky just lost to UCLA. They're still Kentucky, and they're still really good, but they're like at 16 right now, which is very low. For Kentucky, I think Georgia has put itself in a position where if they can finish over 500 in the SEC and maybe pick up that game against Kansas State they have uh, in the middle, I think they're going to be in good position to make the tournament. And when you put that on top of recruiting successes, it puts Mark Fox in a big, in a positive situation <coughs> to survive the season and maybe even get an extension. All right, guys, you know how much I love basketball, right? Mm-hmm. We got a football game in it's four days. It's serious business, guys. Five it's days, however long business. it is. We're it's going to the Rose Bowl, y'all. It's Rose Bowl. I have, here's my one thing, the one time that my Illinois football knowledge is actually going to be useful for you Georgia fans. I, unlike you, have seen my team play in the Rose Bowl. I've never seen them in person, but I've seen them make it. So here are some fun things that happen outside of just the game itself when your team is in the Rose Bowl. We're not losing to Southern Cal by a bunch. Yeah, you're not losing to Southern Cal. You're not, we're not coached by Zook, uh, which is another thing. Um, no, Richard Mendenhall. Um, but... The, the number one thing that I still love, and I absolutely love to this day, is the Terminal Roses Parade. Uh, you said, Tony, you're not watching it. I, no, I'm not going, not going, no. But if you get the chance, like, generally, it's kind of tradition in our house to always have the Terminal Roses Parade on anyway. When your team is involved in it, all of a sudden you get, like, these kitschy... It reminds me of when there's a movie I really love nominated for Best Picture, and they do a really cheesy musical montage at the Academy Awards, and I'm just so happy to see them on that stage. That's kind of what it's like when your team plays in the Rose Bowl. There's all these cheesy Illinois-themed floats, yeah. and Georgia will have... There will be a float that will have a huge oversized Georgia peach that someone's seen something very stupid over the top of. The Trump Roses Parade, like the Thanksgiving, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, is very silly and very cheesy and very over the top. But to see your team involved in it is really cool. So I recommend everybody watch the Tournament of Roses Parade. It will be really, really fun. And then we've already seen, the, the, the second thing and the last thing, is we've already seen the shots, I think just today, they got Georgia in one end zone and Oklahoma in the other end zone. If you've seen the shots, it looks amazing. The Rose Bowl is one of the most beautiful sporting events, sporting places in the world. To see Georgia and I think that the ideal time for the game too, because it's going to be very. Assuming that I think the weather's supposed to be very positive. Yes. And um, even for so, Southern California, if it's clear, it just looks gorgeous. It's going to be two in the afternoon. It, it's just a beautiful thing to watch. I'm. You will love, regardless of what happens, regardless of what all the game it means. Just to have your team in the Rose Bowl makes you feel very special. We are not going to the parade, but we are going to the barns to see the floats and the uh, and. My wife actually wants to help put them together, which is something you can do. Um, <laughs> I, I'm probably going to drop her off and let her do that. Yeah, but I, yeah. Who, yeah. Far be it for me to keep her from her dreams. Yeah, ta- tailgating um, as a craft project. That's, uh, but you know, the, the thing about it that is, um, is really cool is that it will be, there will be a lot of Georgia things. I mean, I'm, I'm, I worked at the University of Illinois yeah, right. during that Rose Bowl, and I came, I came so close to going. A friend of mine, uh, oh, you remember Dave Johnson, the, course, the orange, orange uh, coat guy, yeah. who was the uh, SID for the, Illinois. The skunk spot, uh, That's right. There you go. He, um, 
I, um, he just about had me talked into going. And I said, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to go until Georgia goes to Rose Bowl. I'm just not going to really? do it. I really did. Uh, and he's like, well, it's never going to happen. I was like, well, be that as it may. It would have happened uh, this year. Well, that was, that was yeah. 07, right? Yeah, that was, that was 07, because right? Because Georgia was close that's to That's right. And, but then that's exactly why I was like, and that's what made, had Georgia not almost gotten in that year, I'd have probably gone because yeah. I've always wanted to go to the Rose Bowl. And I had a team with a rooting interest. And But, you know, I, I'm glad I didn't go now looking back on it 10 years uh, after yeah. the fact because – I get to go experience this fresh and anew with, with. I mean, I, I can't overemphasize how much. I mean, the fact that George Plummer Roosevelt is amazing to me. Um, but I mean, I had the big book of college bowls that mm-hmm. I just poured through mm-hmm. when I was a kid. I mean, like college football, the college football bowls were just mm-hmm. a thing. I could tell you the history of the Blue Bonnet Bowl. I could tell you, you know, I could tell you that there was. That's how I, you asked the bowls question earlier. That's how I knew there had been a bowl in Havana called the Rum Bowl. Uh, that's how I knew there'd been a salad bowl. Mm-hmm. And, but just because I had that book, but it was always about the Rose Bowl, right? The Rose Bowl hasn't been continuously played. It was played a year. And then they didn't play again for 20 years. Um, and then it was played once in Durham, North Carolina, which you brought up because of the war. Um, and it was really, I mean, Georgia was, Georgia getting to go actually during the, the war, right before the war. It was a kind of amazing thing. It was during the war. Yeah. And it was an amazing thing because they had pondered not having, <laughs> having the game that year. Um, Did you see the live clips? That those are really cool. Patrick Garvin Facebook. put them out. Yeah. yeah, amazing. Some colorized stuff. It was really, really cool. I think it was shot in color. Yeah, I think yeah it was shot, shot in color. In okay. Color. So, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm so fired up about the opportunity to go to see this beautiful stadium, to, to be a part of the pageantry, to be a part of the Rose Bowl, part of that history. And I realize I'm just one of 92,000 people who are going to be there, but – Odds are I'm going to be the loudest. Uh, if I can do my, I'm going to do my damn level too. How are your seats? But they're in the stadium. Yeah. Um, I am actually right, pretty close to the, um, pretty close to Redcoats. Red I've already, I've already connected with uh, Nathan. I uh, met Nathan, by the way. Yeah, he's he is not awesome nearly as guy. bad as you make him out. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, <laughs> he's, he's like 11. I didn't realize he was that. Young. Oh yeah, no, he he's yeah. he still gets he still gets carted he yeah. still gets carted by cigarettes, and um, he does. I don't know if he buys cigarettes or not or all, but uh, nobody, he gets carted nobody, to go in the arcade. Nobody under 30 smokes um, anymore. But he, but I'm sitting by the red coats. I'm relatively low in the end zone there. I'm just really fired up about the possibility of, of being there. You know, the the San, San Gabriel Mountains, mm. right, right there. You know, the sun coming off the coming it's over just the mountains. It's, it's, it's just, just gorgeous. gorgeous. It's absolutely I can't beautiful. wait. It just can't wait. Yeah. And so, what's your itinerary? You're leaving tomorrow. Uh, well, I'm taking, this, I'm, taking the kids, my, I'm taking the kids. I'm taking the kids to my parents tomorrow. No, no, uh, okay, and then fly, come, coming back. We're leaving out of Atlanta late Friday, going to Vegas, and we're driving across Saturday. I'm staying with my Southern California uh, in Pasadena. Uh, and we're gonna we're gonna get some provisions. As I told you earlier, we're gonna we're doing we're doing a fast and light. We're gonna forage forage off the land once we get there, so we won't be packing our own bourbon. Um, the uh, but we're gonna go do the we're going to the the barns to see the floats. We're gonna do a couple other little California e things, uh, experience an earthquake, you know, just stuff. Um, as a possibility, I'm going to the Raiders Chargers game Sunday at. Uh, StubHub Center, StubHub Stadium, Stub, Stub Center. whatever it's called. Uh, Much but, better place to see an NFL game than the Coliseum. Yeah, I would think so. Uh, and then... It's like a big game for the Chargers. We are... Yeah. So, and then we're going to... Uh, the lot's open at 4.30. If I can convince my wife I'm going to be there at 4.30 yeah. when the lot's open because, you know, it's a 2 p.m. kickoff exactly. and you can't tailgate all day if you don't start before sunup. And uh, so that's the plan. We're going to be there. Um, we're going to be there. Uh, I hope to see a lot of people. It's always fun to travel. I mean, you've yeah. done a road game. You've done road games, uh, Scott. The cool part about traveling is you see people that you 
you know, you see, it's, it's almost like this immediate shared experience, yeah. right? Hey, we're, we're Georgia fans. We're here. And a bowl, a bowl game is even more like that. Um, you know, the closest thing to a bowl game we, we have every year, is, other than we play Notre Dame, is, uh, is Georgia-Florida. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's almost the same people always go to that. You just see, you see a lot of different people. I mean, this, you know, the Southern Cal alumni group's doing something huge. Uh, it's a big deal. There's a lot of Georgia alums in L.A. Um, and it's just... It's just amazing. I cannot wait. Can't wait for the flyover. I don't have any idea what's going to happen, but there's going to be a flyover. Georgia actually plays the Redcoats as the visiting team. Uh, they will play pregame. Uh, Oklahoma Sooners Band, whatever it's called, will play the halftime show. Um, and for, by the way, one thing to keep in mind about the Sooners Band, they mentioned this on the Chapel Bell Curve podcast, they're, they, have, they have one song that they play, basically just one song, lasts about 20 seconds. It's as close as you're going to get to Rocky Top. The song is it sound like Rocky Top? Oh it's yeah, yeah, played yeah. as incessantly, yes, like as Tiger Rock. Rag or yeah. something like yes. that. Yes, so so just be ready to hear that Oklahoma song every single time they do something positive, which hopefully won't be very often. Hopefully, it'll be as often as we heard Rocky Top this year. Which that is was amazing. Um, Although, yes, yes. This, I guess it's time to talk about the game. So, um, so, and you, uh, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to invite. But if anybody is listening, and uh, uh, I'm going to Livewire Athens uh, downtown. They're having an open, uh, an open viewing thing. Uh, you can reserve a table. It's free to get in. Uh, I've reserved a table for uh, for me and my family, and my parents are going to come, and we're going to do the full. We will get my, uh, uh, my my son will be wearing his. Ordered somewhere through China, made in China. It Nick looks Chubb. good. It does. It looks. It is Nick Chubb jersey that literally says "Team" on the tag. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> with a with a Nike swoosh that's more uh, like a half moon. Like it is. Uh, listen, it not only uh, is it should you not get contraband clothing, you definitely should not do it with the name of a college football player who's not getting paid fully. Like as an adult, you should never ever do that. My kid is six, and he loves Nick Chubb more than anything in the world. I'm not going to—it was Christmas, so he will be wearing that. He's very excited. So if anyone uh, is in Athens, and uh, uh, I I know a bunch of people that are going, going to Live Wire, it's a full-on—it's free to get in. There's a bar. There's food. Uh, and they're, they're, they're doing it up. I know there's also some movie theater. A lot of movie theaters are showing the game in Athens, but uh, we're looking for an ideal place to do that. Not, it's, I, I, I would say that it's a little bit, frankly, a little bit better than you, what you're doing, Tony. I think it's a little bit better. Well, I mean, I'm not, not going to be sitting at, I'm not going to be in Athens. So, <laughs> you know, I, I think it's a push. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah. but, um, so, but yeah, so it's, uh, it's serious business now. So, <laughs> Yo, we have a game in five days. So a great thing, uh, maybe to kick us off. I was going to, I was going to go kick us off. You, you, maybe I'll do this up. No, I'll do it now. Since you mentioned the Rose bowl. Yes. Since that's where it's going to be played. Yes. Um, I did, Tony, I was real concerned about the gastronomical selections. Okay. At the Rose bowl. I did some digging and I uh, found out that there are, this might alarm you. So I'm glad you're sitting <clears> down. <throat> there are no kitchens in the stadium. Okay. Did you know that? Um, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. Although I will tell you, I did see a Quin, uh, episode of Quincy where um, a foodborne illness outbreak infested the water of Los Angeles County because of uh, water siphoning in the Rose Bowl. Well, not not considering your 1980s television viewing, um, they are going to have a special half pound burger that's specifically for Georgia fans. If you want to order that, with uh, and here's how they're going to top it: pulled pork, pimento cheese, and fried green tomatoes. Okay, that's their interpretation of that, what Georgia fans would that, like on their burger. That sounds like so, what someone has never been to Georgia would think of. <laughs> and then they're going to have a granddaddy dog, which is a quarter pound dog 
wrapped in mac and cheese, pulled pork, bacon, and barbecue sauce. Yeah, I'd give that a go. And then um, they're going to have farm-to-fan nachos, meaning it's farm-sourced with local uh, homemade salsa available, which I would think Southern California is pretty good with their homemade salsa. Now, you can drink in the stadium. They're going to have... Uh, numerous libations uh, for each team, you know, kind of a signature cocktail, if you will. And, the, and if you're a Bud Light or uh, Miller Light drinker, you're out of luck because they will be serving Coors Light, Dos Equis, Dos Equis. Did I did I put the inflection on the right? Dos Equis. I, I think the commercial long enough. Yeah, I think, think it's Dos Equis. Yeah. Okay, we'll go with that. And then um, it means two Equis. Yes. <laughs> and then local craft beers. I have and, a que- I have a question about yeah. the cocktail. I mean, I'm assuming the Georgia cocktail is like. Jim Beam and Coke. Yeah, <laughs> I don't be. think so. Should be. I don't. Th- I think it's going to be a little more frou frou for that. But um, and then the final bit. This has nothing to do with food. But uh, you maybe maybe I'm getting to this point before you bring it up just to one up you. This is the first time since 2002 that no Pac-12 or Big Ten team is represented. And I couldn't tell you who played in the 2002 one that wasn't them because I was thinking, oh, it must have been when Texas. No, they played USC. Right. Um, so I don't know if somebody, somebody's probably yelling that into their, uh, radio right now, but, uh, it that, is, that would have been the Miami, um, Man, oh yeah, Miami. we need to put Chad on that. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think it was yeah. Miami, Miami's last national championship. I think, I think. By the way, if there's ever been any doubt about this, when we say get Chad on it, we mean there was a, literally a dude that was wearing a leather suit with chain that we bring out of a trunk, and he, we pull him out. You've seen Pulp Fiction. Right? I don't know why Chad's going to be the gimp now. <laughs> Chad's the gimp. He's the stat gimp. The movie's more problematic than it used to be. You think so? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, was yeah, Miami and Nebraska, right? yeah. Miami and yeah. Nebraska, that's right, because Nebraska was not in the, in the Big Ten. But no. What? They weren't in the Big Ten. They've always been in the Big Ten. They've always been in the Big Ten. Missouri's always we been have, in the SEC. We have always been at war with you, Oceana. Yes. yes. Um, so, <sighs> Ivan Maisel, uh, one of my favorite football writers uh, for ESPN, uh, and just an absolute prince of a human being, um, wrote this piece this week uh, where he actually talked to Kirby Smart. And he brought up something that I've hinted at a couple of times uh, this year, uh, particularly once we realized that this team was going to be what it was, which is this is the last time it's going to be this fun. And this is the last time where everything is found money. This, that's what this year's been, right? This team yeah. was in was like 16, 15 to start the season. Um, was just hoping to, if you told us going into this year, like obviously as the year went along, our viewpoint on this changed, but if you told us beginning of this year, hey, just win the SEC East and this year is a success, we would have all taken that, right? Yeah. Yes? Oh, yeah. This is the last time that we will ever be able to say that. Now that this season has happened, this, season, this, this year of found money, this year of... Investing in Bitcoin. Yeah, yes. <laughs> this year... Bitcoin's um, follow, man. Because every, the, 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 remember, this has been the year of not only the, incre- the uh, incredible defense and the savage and Roquan Smith uh, and the emergence and the great running backs and the emergence of Fromm and just all the wonderful things that we've seen. It's also the year of the Revenge Tour. It's also the year um, where Mark Richt actually had a great season, but, it, but still fell short. Like everything you would want or imagine, I mean, that's could that's come true. Normal. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, as a Georgia fan, it has happened this year, and one of the reasons that it's been so fun is because no one expected this. 
You hoped this would go well. Scott actually had them with the same with the right record, unlike uh, Tony and I did. But generally speaking, there was not an expectation that they would make the playoffs and the feeling that this season would be a disappointment if they didn't. This is the last time that happens. This is the last time that happens. This was really what Mizell's, Mizell's points uh, column was about. The idea of you never, like, you never get to have this running. This year is just nothing but fun. Revenge Tour, Roquan, Savage, From, uh, Rose Bowl, uh, taking uh, Auburn, and uh, first SEC championship game in, uh, at the Mercedes Benz Stadium. All of these wonderful things all happened this year, and they've all been fun. And they've all been this great notion of discovery, and there's been this idea. Idea that even if they don't win it, if they don't, if they lose to Oklahoma or go to the championship and lose to them, this season has been such an unmitigated success that no one is ever going to say, oh, that year, what a disappointment, because it's been so fun. The problem with that, and of course, what these are nice problems to have, is this is the last time that happens. This is the last time you get that, because now, next year, just an SEC East championship is not enough. It's going to be a failure. Yeah. And, and th- that's it. And that's, that is, that's what we wanted. That's clearly what everyone wanted from Georgia, to be set up this way and have the expectations, again, to be Alabama. They're getting there and they're being there. That's great, but the problem is is it will never be this joyous. It just won't be this joyous again. If they win the championship, if they don't win it this year, that will be joyous. But it will never just be this week after week of fun and the old joke about the defense being kids that don't want to come back from recess uh, get the extra 10 minutes of recess it's just been a really really fun year and Maisel mentioned this theory to Kirby Smart and his reaction was pretty great He's like, man, you know, it's kind of depressing when you put it that way (laughs) (laughs) and he's of course right but this is all leading up to the ultimate point which is listen, we all agree that if Georgia loses to Oklahoma or makes the SEC championship game, this is not Tony. Tony actually inhaled and looked unhappy just when I said those words. Um, but no one's going to be disappointed in this season. But as I said before, it is so hard to get here. Everything has fallen exactly right for Georgia this year, and they still just barely made it. So everything has to fall exactly right to get here. So while they're here, they might as well go ahead and win. Yeah, it, 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 the reason I sighed and, and looked upset about it is because I've, I've processed that very thought. As a matter of fact, I read I read Mizell's uh, a little piece or the quotes and thought the same thing. It's like, yeah, he's right. It's like, I'm, and I have to check myself about that, right? <laughs> that we have, I mean, we literally spent up till this season, the prior football seasons comparing ourselves to 2012 and how close we were and just, you know, just, you know, falling four yards short in that CC championship is not what we, it's not what we aspire to. Well, now we've reached higher than that, that, that line has moved, right? It's merely winning the SEC championship. is not what we aspire to. And no matter what happens, um, be it resolved, and even if I have Dr. Goldstein on speed dial, I'm, I'm by God going to enjoy the hell out of this, this yeah. game Monday. And it's going to hurt. It's going to be sad if we lose. But I'm going to, I think I'm going to always finally remember this football season in a way that, you know, frankly, in the same way I remember football seasons, um, you know, the, the, the past football seasons, um, from, even from my childhood, the, the 80 to 83 run. Um, you know, kind of the even even Donna's magical. I mean, I um, golf's magical year. We went ten and two. You know, just everyone expected we we're going to be you know what six and six and six or six and five. Um, 
I, I hope Georgia fans will, regardless of how this game goes, um, and we're obviously going to make some picks in a little bit, uh, regardless of how this game goes, we'll be able to look back on not just what this team's accomplished, but those guys that sacrificed a, a, a year of a lot of money mm-hmm. uh, to come back and play football and to be a part of this. The What the, the coaches have put into it. I mean, look, Jacob Eason, who is um, – who went into the season with a lot of, you know, snippy rumors about, you know, not putting the work in or not being a team guy or whatever, on um, wholly proven himself to be far above whatever those rumors were because of um, things beyond his control, getting hurt in the second series. Um, and, who, and we we have no way to rewrite that theory, uh, rewrite that history. But um, you know, there is alternative history out there where. He stays and plays, and, and we're not where we are. And there's also alternative history where we're we're thirteen and zero. And um, but the cool part about everything about the season is that it has been a fun, happy-go-lucky ride. Um, and despite the fact that I spent a large part of the season dreading the next game because of expecting the shoe to fall, um, I I go forward looking at the Rose Bowl. Still not 100% certain where I think I think I have my mind made up about what I'm going to predict, but still not 100% certain that how confident I feel about that. But I don't dread the potential outcome. And in a way that I did nearly every game up to up to the Auburn game, the first Auburn game. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a point well taken. It's a lot of fun. And if you're, the, if you're the average Georgia fan out there listening to me, the one thing I would implore you to do is enjoy this. It only happens every seventy something years, um, and and I, th- I, my personal thought is that we have many more of these types of runs in front of us, um, and even if we don't, we're going to a Rose Bowl. We won the SEC, and we actually looked really, really, really competent doing it. We didn't back into it. It wasn't given to us. It wasn't because Tennessee lost a fluke game to South Carolina. It's because we went out, we put our we put our foot down on the SEC East and dominated it. We did the same against uh, one of the two best teams and probably the best team in the SEC West, and we earned our way into the college football playoffs. I would kind of draw a correlation to the 91 Braves team, the the way I feel, the way I personally feel, because I was so invested in that Braves team growing up a a Braves fan. And, yeah, Georgia was 8-5 and last year. You couldn't really draw a similarity to how the Braves were the worst team in the National League the year before going from – Worst to first, but you're right when you explain, or when I'm talking to Will, he explains how this is unique. We are not going to experience this again, and Tony kind of echoes that because if you think back, if you were a Braves fan in the early 90s, that first year of beating, um, uh, clinching against Houston, I think it was, when Greg Olson leapt into John Smoltz's arms, and then mm-hmm. you go on and you beat uh, – it, the Pirates game, the Sid Bream slide was the next year. Yeah. Um, you win the National League Championship <laughs> Series. I can't even remember. It was still against the Pirates. Was it? Oh, yeah. It yeah. was the Pirates two years in a row. That's right. And then you, the Barry you Bonds had that throw. Epic, yes. Yep. You yep. had the, ep, yeah, the Barry Bonds throw. The epic uh, series against the Twins with Jack Morris and John Smoltz. And all those late nights of staying up. And you could you could find similarities to that uh, the late score against Notre Dame. or However you want to draw it. That's how I personally view this series i've thought of that multiple times throughout the year and then they won it four years later in 95 and so that's what gives me hope because yeah the braves are worthless right now 
when it comes to competition in baseball. However, I still look back with great fondness, even for that one championship in 95, for that whole run, because that was my teenage years and going into college and experiencing all that fun in college. And so I think you're right when you say, hey, we don't know what's going to happen against the Rose in the Rose Bowl or if they did win and maybe they lay an egg in the championship game. Who knows? But I have enjoyed this. I think it's obvious that most Georgia fans in the Bulldog Nation has also equally enjoyed this. This is a fun team. It's got little quirkiness going on with the shoulder pads and all of the names Rodrigo, they give them. Yeah, Rodrigo. The Rodrigo with the helmet. I saw a kid at the basketball game. I love game that kid. Dressed up as Rodrigo. <laughs> I was a kid at the basketball game. He gets on the board so wearing Rodrigo. Got he keeps heroes. the helmet on with the glasses. Yeah, and- yeah. The cult heroes and, and all the great, um, you know, we're, we're all going to be able to stock our man cave with uh, memorabilia, significant memorabilia for years to come. So I'm really encouraged by it. I think you're exactly right. It's not going to be the same, but we just need to check our perspectives and move forth and really just like we began this podcast talking about recruiting and it's not like the coverage going to be bare. It's just going to be how you're going to navigate those riches that you have uh, in front of them. And I think, you know, I have a lot of faith in Kirby and I really have a lot of faith in the, the guys that are coming back because you kind of think of this as a bonus because in my opinion, Nick Chubb, Bellamy, Carter, and Michelle really shouldn't have been here. It's almost like there was some uh, clandestine meeting mm-hmm. where it was an ag- agreed upon, and you know that that's that didn't happen, mm-hmm. but maybe well maybe it did. Um, but it's just it's just it's great, and I think that the Rose Bowl is the perfect cherry on top. And I think we should talk actual statistics. Yeah, I want to get one last point. Okay, I agree. Okay, I only one last point that. on this is the one upside on this too is. I always think I was at the first national championship game between Ohio State and Oregon. And Oregon fans knew. They were so nervous going into that game because they knew this was going to be, this was their shot. They had Mariota, they had Kelly. They knew those guys were not going to be there forever. They knew how hard it was to recruit in Oregon. They, uh, this is frankly how I feel as an Illinois basketball fan when they make the Final Four. It's so hard for a team like Illinois to make the Final Four or a team like Oregon to make the national championship game that the game is so fraught because, you know, we're not getting back here again. Like, we, if we don't take advantage of this opportunity now, we're never getting back. One advantage to this as a Georgia fan, and maybe they won't get back. Right. But I like their odds, too. This doesn't feel like, again, we've said this it's many like times. Falcons in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I don't think they're going to get back. Exactly. Like, that was a, the Falcons in the Super Bowl is a great example. The idea of they are here, you have to win this now because this is not, they're not the Patriots. They're not a team that you just can trust to get back. Georgia is a team, and maybe, again, maybe they won't get back, but we've talked before about this feels like the start of something rather than the end of something. This feels like it would be, what you want is what you want is you want to be the 2016 Cubs. The Cubs had a five-year plan to win the World Series, and that was year two. And they won it in year two. Turned out, pretty good idea they won in year two because they were worse in year three and maybe worse in year four and year five. The plans don't always work out the way that you think. But the fun of that Cubs year was if the Cubs would have fallen short that year, if the Indians win that game, game seven, and the Cubs win it two years later, it's, I mean, obviously they're still excited because of the World Series, but it wasn't that magical season. If Georgia wins the national championship this year, this is the magical season. Like this is that Cubs like magical season where everything was awesome from the get go. And even with the the Auburn setback, everything that you could have wanted to have happen happened. If it doesn't now if they went later, obviously it'll still be great, 
But this is the magical year opportunity. I think the Auburn setback might help with these next couple of games because they already had their freak out. Because one thing we were, Tony and I were talking about before we started was my wife was up there asking about, you know, what do y'all think is going to be the score? And we were giving our score predictions. And I said, hey, don't freak out if we're down 21 to 10. And, I, and then I kind of, under my breath, said, well, as long as the team doesn't freak out. Because that's what brought them down against Auburn. But yet that was the one crowd that was completely against them. And this crowd out here or that will be out in L.A. or Pasadena is at least going to be half and half. Yeah, and the thing about it to me that, that I keep coming back to when you think about that Auburn game is that – we have seen significant improvements in Kirby as a head football coach and the coaching staff in learning from their mistakes. And I think they will all point to that Auburn game, particularly the lack of adjustments at halftime, as the one thing they probably wish they could do over. Now, of course, it turned out fine because given two weeks to prepare for them going into Atlanta – they had a perfect game plan for what Auburn wanted to do. And you can say, well, carry on, Johnson was hurt or whatever. I mean, even if he had been fully healthy, I'm, I'm utterly convinced Auburn still loses that game. And frankly, it's probably not that different. Um, and, and that has everything to do with the fact that Georgia completely retooled what they wanted to do offensively. And also, they had a different defensive scheme. Um, frankly, one that's probably going to come in handy Monday mm-hmm. to combat what Auburn wants to do. Um, it, and, we, and, we, and, and I'll talk about that part in particular because that's, that has a lot to do with the way I look at this game. We've gone a very long time in this podcast without saying the words Baker Mayfield, oh by the way. 27 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, but, yeah, I think I, but it's interesting. You know, we – so much of the coverage has, has, has revolved around what is Georgia going to do to stop Baker Mayfield. We ain't stopping Baker Mayfield. We need to get that over. The idea that uh, that we are going to keep Baker Mayfield from moving the ball up and down the field and from Oklahoma scoring points is it it, it doesn't border on on lucricity, but it is pretty crazy. Oklahoma's going to score points. We need to be okay with that, and and that's kind of what you and I were talking about upstairs, right? Well, and and to to build on that point, Baker Mayfield has completed in every game this year at least sixty three percent of his passes. He's thrown for at least two touchdowns and thrown for at least 257 yards in every single game. So that you're right. You're, you're not going to stop him. You're going to either have to outscore him or you're going to have to have some lucky breaks with some turnovers, which could very well happen. And one other thing, I think Mikkel Hardeman, I don't want to make too many predictions, he is way overdue to just light it up. On, in the return game or special teams. And Oklahoma special teams coverage is spectacular. So I'm, I'm glad you brought up Baker Mayfield because I do want to start talking about when Oklahoma has the ball because I, I think that is, to me, it's, it's an important part but not the most important part of George Key to win this football game. Um, and, and people are like, what are you talking about? Defense wins championship. Okay, sure. We, let's, we're about to test that theory. I said this a couple weeks ago that it's now put up or shut up time for the trope of eh, they don't play defense out there. Wait, did they see an SEC defense? Well, they're going to see the best SEC defense and we're going to see the best Big 12 offense. I mean, I mean, you're going to see the best national offense. Yeah, I was just about to say, they've been the best offense nationally. But period. Full stop. No qualifications. Um, they have two guys that have rushed just, uh, just almost 900 yards. Ronnie Anderson is awesome, and particularly in the second half. He's been so good yeah. in the second half. They have two receivers that have almost 1,000 yards receiving. I mean, they are a well-rounded offensive football team. They're not just throw, 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 throw. No. At all. No. Now, the one thing they do um, that, that is different, I mean, I talked about the Auburn comparison. They are set up very similar to Auburn, except for they use the short pass 
uh, in the way Auburn uses that um, almost like that flex run that Carryon Johnson just killed us with in the second half, um, which is why their leading receiver is their tight end. Um, and Andrews has you know 59 catches on the season, um, 800 yards. As a tight end, I mean, because they they do like to sneak that tight end out. They basically they they run a vertical concept. They send they send guys deep and they bring him across. And you know you're basically put in a position of okay, do we keep Anderson? Do we keep a check on Anderson if he's going to run? Do we keep a check on Mayfield who can run? Although they don't do as many planned runs with the quarterback as you think, because Mayfield's good at scrambling. Um, oh, by the way. Who's accounting for the tight end on a wheel route or a drag across the middle? Nobody. And that's where they pick up. That's where they hurt you. They put themselves in front of the chains so much. They have so many second and threes. When you have second and three, the entire playbook's on the table. Literally the entire playbook. I mean, that's what Auburn felt like they kept doing over and over and over in that second half. It was always second and three, second and four, and it put them in positions where they could they could try quickly. Right. And But the thing that heartens me about this is like, when you look at the one game Oklahoma lost, and they had a couple games where they didn't play great um, offense, but the one game they lost is that Iowa State had their – by the way, the Sky also played quarterback in the Wildcat a little bit. Can Roquan do that? Um, they had uh, – Iowa State's linebacker, middle linebacker, basically covered Andrews, I mean, covered Andrews out, uh, as a tight end and also was the spy, and it worked out perfectly. They, they had a four-man rush. They kept Mayfield moving around the pocket – they covered the deep guys, and every time he thought to take off to run, well, they were able to either tackle him or make him make a bad decision, or throw the ball um, on a um, three on a you know a three yard out as opposed to a five yard out. Um, to, to me, to me, as I said, Oklahoma's going to score points, but this also feels a lot like Notre Dame. Georgia's Notre Dame was the best offense Georgia faced all season. We held them to nineteen points. Now, having said all of that. Every time they kicked a field goal, I tweeted field goal Jesus because my entire time thinking I was like, I'll trade field goals for touchdowns every time. I feel like that's something that, that we have to do. They're going to score points, but we have to put the ball, we had to put the ball in the hands of their kicker. We have to keep them to three points. I mean, they are one of the top converting offenses in the nation uh, uh, on converting drives to touchdowns or drives to scores, but we have to make sure they're kicking field goals instead of scoring touchdowns. This is funny. We talk about stopping Oklahoma. The the, the problem is, you know, uh, Bill Connolly uh, wrote a thing today about how Jake Fromm has been uh, really great in pretty much everything but must-pass situations. And his advantage, of course, is George has not had very many must-pass situations. And listen, every quarterback is worse in a situation in, in must-pass situations. Like every quarterback in the world, including Aaron Rodgers, like third and eleven. Yeah, just must-pass. Like every quarterback is worse. And Fromm has been good in every possible way, other than those things. So that is not meant to be a lack of a compliment for for Fromm. Uh, but this is a, you know Oklahoma's a team with young corners. Like you actually can pick on those guys a little bit. The problem, the thing that worries me about Fromm is not that uh, he can't make the pass. It's that to score with a team like Oklahoma, you are going to have to make the pass repeatedly. And you're going to have to avoid that early turnover, which was happening a lot, by the way, up until it almost happened in the Georgia Tech game. Remember, they was that close to having, having that, that get out of the system turnover. It didn't happen in the Auburn game, but 
Uh, we've, that's happened. We've talked about that a lot in the second half of the season. You get it out of the way, early turnover. Uh, and Oklahoma scores too many points to be able to do that. I, I think as the thing that worries me is we saw in the first Auburn game that <clears throat> when Georgia was in a situation where clearly they needed to change something up. Clearly they needed to change something up. Things was getting away from it a little bit. And he didn't. And I understand. I understand. I get it. I get it. This is a run team. This team has five great running backs and a great offensive line, and they live and die with a run. I get it. But if something turns and Georgia gets stopped on its first possession or its second possession and Oklahoma scores, then you are – I'll put it this way. I would feel a lot more comfortable – as a Oklahoma fan, if I'm up 17 to nothing or 21 to nothing, then I would as a Georgia fan if I were up 17 nothing or 21 to nothing. And frankly, Oklahoma fans don't care if they're down 21-7. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Iowa State was up 21-7 late in the second quarter. And, and if Georgia's down, like if Georgia's down two touchdowns in this game, we're in trouble, like in a way that I don't think Oklahoma is. That that's kind of my my, my take yeah. on this is Oklahoma. And listen, maybe that forces Oklahoma. Georgia's defense is awesome, so like maybe that forces Oklahoma into bad situations. But Oklahoma has more ways to come back from a deficit than Georgia does. And while I think there are opportunity, there will be opportunities available for from um, uh, on to pick on the corners and to go deep. That has always worked best for him, as it does for any quarterback, when uh, you've got the run to fake him out with. And if they get behind and there's a sense of, okay, we really got to make something happen, that's a situation that Fromm has only been in once this year, and it didn't turn out well. Yeah, if we get in a situation where they can drop back in quarters coverage with the deep safety, um, that does take away a lot of options. Um, and does put again puts Fromm in a situation where, if the game is on his shoulders, now I'm not totally convinced that Fromm can't Nor can't I. rise to that. We haven't seen it yet, yeah. and you're right about that. We have not seen it, and you are 100 percent certain that the Heisman Trophy winner has the capability yeah. to bring a We've team seen back him from, do it over right, and right over from three touchdowns down yeah. in a way that, frankly, a, a starting true freshman yeah. um, may not. And frankly, I'm not sure Jacob Eason would. Yeah, I'm not I, sure Jacob Eason. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure Jacob Eason changes. Like this map. is not the, the, an offense that is built to come back from big deficits. Just frankly, like Alabama's isn't. Like, and sure, maybe they can. Yeah, and but we have not yeah, seen yeah, that happen. Yeah, the offense is built on efficiency, not yeah. not super super quick scoring plays. At least uh, uh, at least the kind that allows you to to stay in front of the clock. And the the big plays that Georgia has had have been a result of that efficient offense yep. working. It's like like softening guys up and getting them to overcommit one way and then hitting the big the other way. If you're in a situation where they can sit back or. Like I don't think this is a situation where Georgia, ever, uh, where Oklahoma's defense ever needs to peel its ear, pin its ears back. Like this is a they can sit back all, all they want, and if they, and if Georgia can get control, this just feels like a game. Can Georgia get that control of it? Like remember that? I mean, we've forgotten in the SEC championship game. Like that was scary for like a oh, quarter yeah. and a half. It felt like the first game the first the first quarter felt like the first Auburn game it being replayed over did. again it until that turnover until the fumble until yeah. the fumble and then at that point Georgia was in control and never let go of it the question is 
can Georgia get to that point? Can they get to that point where they take control of the game? And if they can, I like their odds to win. I just think that's going to be a lot harder to do than at any other point in this game. Frankly, I think the Notre Dame game is the closest parallel, but Oklahoma's offense, I think Oklahoma's defense is worse than Notre Dame's. 100%. But I feel like Oklahoma's offense is a lot, a lot better. better than Notre Dame's. You know, the, I think an early key for you to look at is see how Thompson led better, Tyler Clark, and those guys are doing on the front. If they're getting a good push, if they're even if Mayfield's making plays, but if he's having to roll out, he's having to. If, if, if Mayfield's breaking off runs, if he doesn't feel comfortable standing in the pocket and, and picking apart Georgia's defense, you have to start thinking this is going Georgia's way because, like I said, Oklahoma's going to move the ball. There's no, no one's held them under. Yeah, what, what was the number? You said 257 passing yards. Mm-hmm. I think the fewest uh, yards total they've had on the seasons. Uh, out, just a shade under 400. Is that right, Scott? Um, they, you know, they're going to move the football. They are going to move the football. And and a key to me is is how well our front four. Because if we can put pressure on Mayfield and make him start having to make decisions quicker than he wants to, and we can do that with rushing just four, that means we're we're still keeping seven guys in coverage or six guys in coverage to somebody spying Mayfield. Um, and that's that's the recipe for beating them, right? That's the recipe for putting them in a situation where they're only getting 40 yards on a drive and having to decide between going for it on fourth and four or punting in, just inside their own 50 or trying to for a long field goal or, frankly, for kicking a field goal in the 20 because, hey, that's a safe decision. Do you, do, I mean, don't you think that they will employ something similar to they did against Notre Dame with how they kept Wimbush in check with Roquan kind of being the spy? I mean, yeah. because like one thing that concerned me that I wasn't aware of is how you touted the tight end. Because really no other team short of Alabama circa 2016 with O.J. Howard utilized the tight end in that way and into that uh, kind of being that prolific with it. So I'm not sure that they have really seen that. And in fact, I bet a lot of Georgia fans kind of envisioned preseason. That's how Isaac Nauta would be with this team. They really did hype him up a lot before the year. It's funny to, th- it's funny to look at the, the Georgia poster <laughs> and mm-hmm. to see Easton and yeah. Nauta on there as yeah. if like, they were this interview. They were the guys. Yeah. Um, well, I think the interesting part about that, what you bring up, is that um, I think that's where not having Patrick in the game is going to hurt uh, yeah. because Roquan is probably our best in coverage. Um, of course, he's, he's best so be everything. Monty Rice. I mean, I say Monty Rice, and Monty Rice is probably going to be asked to either either shadow Mayfield or cover Andrews. You um, imagine he's a true freshman. He's still he's played a lot of games this year, but true freshman. And coach is putting his hand on his shoulder, saying. Go get him. Rice, right. I'm going to need you to yeah. fall. You know, here's, well, also from, I'm going to need you to throw for 400 yards. So, Well, the, the, funny, <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, it's like, um, you know, you've, we've all heard variations on this story, but, you know, you, you go out and you see a, a guy out in the yard chasing a chicken around, right? And it's like, what are you doing? And so Coach told me I had to practice tackling Baker Mayfield. Um, and that's it's a lot that way because he's really slippery. Yeah. I mean, he's not And Johnny. also chickens are constantly grabbing their crops. And, and, and also <laughs> they are terrible at running from police. Yeah. Uh, by the way, we made a whole season without talking about this. And yeah, yeah. I think it's a shame. I think, by the way, Google Baker Mayfield running from police. We started this podcast out talking about Natrus Patrick and the Georgia Way. It's the opposite of the Georgia Way out in Oklahoma because <laughs> that guy got busted by the police trying to run from them, and he is no good with two cops and a wall. 
No good. I, I missed that. I'll have to look. Yeah. You got to Google it. Well, no, good. they put him right it on the yard. Happened in like the summer. So it like, happened yeah. in early August. <laughs> yeah. Spring practice. Spring practice. Fall practice has already started. Um, now, having said all of that, um, I think you're right. Monty Rice is. There is a lot going to be put on him. Um, and frankly, on all the linebackers, I, I think you know Reggie uh, Carter, Bellamy, and Carter are going to have to step up. But the thing about it to me is, I don't think they're not up to the challenge. I'm not discounting the possibility that Oklahoma's going to score points. I, I'm putting on the record they're going to score points. That's going to happen. It's not going to look like, a, like the uh, Oklahoma State Oklahoma Bedlam game, is it? No, I don't think it's going to be a sixty fifty eight game. I will say though, if that happens, I will have a from boner. Like I will never <laughs> ever in all seriousness. Like if, if dibs on that after all year after all year saying I don't know if this guy can throw it deep. I don't know if this guy can handle this stuff. If he pulls out a forty nine forty two shootout. Either way, I will never. I, and honestly, a lot of it comes out. I just don't know if he's capable of it. And I know Mayfield's capable of it. From Boner. From Boner. Hey, listen. That's amazing. So here's my here's my. Do you want an ice pick or like yeah, a claw, got, got, claw got, hammer or something? I got my. Uh, you guys told yeah, me. Tony you, broke my ice maker yeah. earlier. I didn't so. break it. I just made it. It's always on crushed ice. ice. It like only does mitts. crushed ice. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So you're not Baker Mayfield. Your hands haven't been in specious places. No, they've not. They've not. Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, <laughs> in a long time. He's, to paint the picture, we've uh, we've got a separate cup of ice because the fridge is upstairs and it's all crushed ice. And we've been doing this for an hour, and so the ice is kind of congealed yeah. into one big like snowball. And so Will is digging his hands in it. By the way, it just occurred to me: this is the perfect podcast to listen to flying out to California. It's going to be two hours. <laughs> yeah, that's okay though. Oh, come on! You, How many times we go to the Rose Bowl? How many times we go to the Rose Bowl? Oh, so, I thought we were done. I was so ready. So we've uh, – well, we hadn't exactly beaten the horse in the dirt, but we still got to talk about – I mean, Georgia's not a terrible offensive football team. No. No, they're not. And, you know, and that's the thing, though, is – I mean, honestly, this game needs to go like the SEC championship game. Like, that's the way it needs to go, right? Right. You need to, like, you need to take their first punch, which is what Georgia did against Auburn. You need to pay, take their first punch and be opportunistic. That's what I mean. There's the only game, we've talked about this a lot, every game's been a blowout except for Notre Dame. And more to the point, every single game, other than the Auburn loss and then the Notre Dame game, which was back and forth and still very early in the remember that was Fromm's literal first start. <laughs> so like obviously uh, you're, you're, that, you're not expecting to get your rhythm in that one. But there's been that moment where, as I just said, Georgia has the game. And you know it, even in games that were closer, even in the Missouri game? Yeah. Which, like, there was a moment when Missouri scored. You're like, oh, is this going to be bad? And all of a sudden, and, then, and then three minutes later, no. Oh, Georgia's got it. And we saw it even in a game like the South Carolina game that was not a blowout. Uh, there was just a moment where clearly Georgia had this game. Again, I know people are very sick of me saying this. That's what Alabama does. They have that game, that game where you know, oh, they've got this. They're not losing this game. And... If Georgia can get to that point, I'm just not sure Oklahoma gives them the opportunity to do that. Because they haven't faced a team like Oklahoma. They are the they are a better offense than Notre Dame. They are Notre Dame and Auburn's offenses kind of combined together uh, with a with a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. That's a very scary thing, and I think you're putting. Listen, if Georgia comes out and holds Mayfield to 14, 17 points, this is they're going to win this. Like I'm, I don't know, we'll blow it away. Yeah, I just don't know if they can do that. And if they can't do that, you're asking from to be a shootout guy, and I don't know, man. Well, I don't 
I don't necessarily buy the shootout theory. How are you going to score? How are you going to score score thirty five points this game without him throwing for three hundred yards? You're, I think he, I think he for, would score thirty five throwing for two fifty. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We'll say two fifty. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the run game. Well, that's kind of, of what their strength. I mean, look, look well, at yeah, this I way. agree. Look but. at this way. Um, and, and, and now we're talking about Georgia's um, Georgia's offense. I first off, I think part of the part of the plan here necessarily has to be to just slow the game down, right? Uh, it's going to be use the use the ball control, use the running plays to cut down the number of plays because Oklahoma was they're not a tempo team, but they. In a perfect world, they would like to run seventy plays. Um, and you know, one of the ways you keep them from scoring points is they can't score many points if if the, you're holding the ball. Um, now, having said all of that, I, I don't, I don't hold no illusions of holding them to fourteen points. Um, but I also think them holding Georgia to merely seventeen points is is. Just, just Agreed. think about their offense. Just think about Agreed. their defense. I mean, right. is, is, is is really tough. I mean, they have a couple of pretty good ball players. Uh, they have a guy. I'm not going to try to say his name. Is uh, <laughs> yes, um, a defensive end. Um, Obania Obanikowo or Okarnkwo Kwo Trust me, we are not trying to be funny when we say that. It's just a hard hard name. The Orinoco Flow. I think is actually. So you know that that means that means that that. That left side has their work cut out for them, um, but you know their their defensive backs have struggled against the pass. And frankly, they're not great against the run. But, uh, but to be to be devil's advocate, everybody keeps touting on how poor their defense is in passing. Well, they've been winning a lot of their games by a lot against terrible teams like Kansas and Baylor and Kansas State, even. And so teams are passing against them, and so they're going to give up that junk yardage. Well, I think it's a little uh, bit hidden. Well, uh, as far as rushing games goes, I wrote some of the uh, sports blog about that this morning. Actually, uh, Kansas State, who is not a running team, had their best rushing game of the season against them and nearly won that football game. Uh, they had they averaged almost seven yards a run, um, and it was just simply um, it was simply it wasn't spread because well, it Bill, wasn't fancy. Bill, was Bill, Bill, Bill Snyder doesn't believe in the spread, but it was it was some spread concepts, right? It was uh, a little bit of this power, the power smash. It was some uh, misdirection. It was some some tall sweep stuff. Uh, and it was you know the 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 reality is is that Georgia's playbook fits really well. If you were to drop a play, if you were to drop a playbook and say, "Here's Oklahoma's defense. Here's what they're good at. Here's what they're where they struggle." Our playbook already fits really well. Yeah matching up against them defensively. Now, the trick is, of course, is matriculating down the field and putting seven points on the board when we get the ball. We can't be in a situation where somebody misses an assignment, we jump off sides, we put ourselves in position, because I think that's that's how we lose this football game. Mm-hmm. I think Oklahoma's going to score points. I've said that the whole podcast. But I also think we will score points, and I think being in a position to score touchdowns first, rather than field goals is very, very important because I think you're right, Will. I think we get in a situation where it's 21-7 in the, in, early in the second quarter. We're, in a, we're not in the same shape that Oklahoma will be if we're up 21-7. Now, having said all that, I like our, I like our chances of being able to just grind it out and, and win the football game uh, if we're able to move the football down the field the way we have against offense, defenses that are similarly positioned, similarly ranked, and have similar um, stats as Oklahoma. I wish they were playing Clemson. 
Well, yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I wish they Although like, their defense is much better. I think their defense is much better, but I'll take... Like, their defense... You know, I, I, I just... The, Georgia doesn't usually play guys like Baker Mayfield. There's not a lot of guys like him. And, and What position is Baker Mayfield playing defense? He doesn't. Okay, I'm just he curious. Doesn't. He doesn't, but he just... He's the type of... Like, it's a little bit of the idea that there's just never going to be a time where do I think that Georgia on the whole is better than Oklahoma? Yes, I do. And I also love the idea that I think that Nathan said in the Chapel Elko podcast that the hilariousness of like, this is the least, probably the least talented Georgia team that we're going to have until like 2022. Yeah. Like yeah. the idea, like I still feel like talent until Kirby retires because of health and goes, Ohio state. Wait a minute. <laughs> this happened. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I just feel like Mayfield's a wild card, and and this is this is a this is a test like they we've talked all year about passing tests and passing this test and passing this test. A lot of this has been from the perspective of a fan, like okay, can they pass the deal with Tennessee test? Can they pass the Florida test? This is a test they have not seen at all. This is just a high-octane, crazy, spread-tempo offense team. They haven't played a team like this. These are the teams that famously always called, caused saving problems back in the day. These were the ones that always, when, when Manziel was taking out the Alabama teams, this is the type of offense they, they ran, and this is the type of dynamic quarterback they had. That is the challenge. Not that Georgia doesn't have more talent, but they've got an electric guy who has done stuff that no one else has done, uh, and George is a face guy like that yet. Baker Mayfield plays with so much grit. A lot of determination. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, and, you know, he was uh, quoted. Uh, did you, he was I'm a sure walk-on, by the way. No, that, that, that is amazing. That's 100% that amazing. That is truly it amazing. amazing. He was a walk-on. He was a walk-on. You have to, you have to respect that. that I mean, it's and unreal. I'm excited about seeing him play. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and he's so pol- he, like He's the type of dude that, like, I lo- like I'm, we're going to hate him so much by the third quarter of this oh, game. Yeah. But when he's playing and you're not invested in the outcome, he's just yeah. so much fun. Just like Manziel. I don't know if y'all have seen the Sports Illustrated uh, magazines that are basically plastered in any Kroger or Sam's Club mm-hmm. or Barnes & Noble around town. But Good stocking stuffers. This yeah, year. well, I got one from Santa Claus, actually. Santa gave it to me. And Santa's I, good people. Yeah, he is. He is, and he knew. But, it, you know, typically I'll... I don't really read stuff like this, but the Baker Mayfield article that is written in here is quite interesting. Who, who wrote it? Oh, uh, let me see. Um, Jack Dickey. Jack Dickey, former Deadspin's dead Jack Dickey. He, he wrote a very good article, but um, Jack Dickey is the guy that broke the Manti Teo story. Okay. Read bylines. <laughs> this, is, this is read bylines. Everyone who's listening. Oh my god! Everybody lead. Everybody I'm so read excited that. to finally get a Manteo, uh, Mante Teo joke after playing Notre Dame this season. <laughs> but the the quote that I wrote down. Yeah, Jack think he's real, by the way. See, this, is, this is where we get on the uh, yeah, sorry, reviews sorry, about sorry, sorry. Scott has to keep it in line. Yeah, sorry. Sometimes sorry. you're right. Sorry. Um, and now it's diminished because I wasn't able to no. lead the crescendo. <laughs> You're right. You, J- Jack Dickey wrote, au- Dick wrote this awesome story about Baker Mayfield. Jack D- is that a, is that a uh, pin name? No, it's actually him. Is this his real name? This is his real name, Jack Dickey. <clears throat> okay. Um, I think I was truly born to thrive in hostile environments. And that goes to what Tony is talking about. And that's why he is Tony is uh, kind of uh, pro- projecting that by the third, fourth quarter, we will be tired of seeing 
Baker Mayfield run around and make plays and do something amazing because you are right. He is going to do that. I think that if, if there's anything, if, if this podcast does anything, what it, what it needs to do is to solidify in all these Georgia fans who are going to fret and live and die on every half play that occurs in this game. It's going to happen. He's going to drive you crazy. He is yeah. amazing. Yeah. There's a reason why he has been in New York three times and won the Heisman Trophy once. It's because he's legitimately that good. And I, I couldn't believe I, I, it, had, it had passed me by that he was a walk-on. I did not know that. But it, it chronicles Jack Dickey. Mm-hmm. Chronicles. That's literally the guy's name. <laughs> Jack. <laughs> by the way, Scott put air quotes around Jack Dickey. <laughs> but he chronicled his, uh, his trials from growing up in Austin and winning state championships and getting overlooked and then walking on at, at Texas Tech and then saying, screw this place. I know where I need to go. I mean, the, the, the moxie of this guy was kind of emblazoned in him as an 18-year-old um, freshman who is similar to the J.J. Watt story, where J.J. Watt started at Central Michigan, and he's like, this is not where I'm supposed to be, and goes and walks on at Wisconsin. Now look at him. So, you know, he's a true leader, and I think that he is going to uh, kind of wow us and frustrate us and everything, but it really does boil down to, you know, I have faith in the coaching staff. It's like what we've talked about all year. In years past, we were questioning the coaching staff, but, you know, it's it's, it's to the point now where it's like, hey, they've got us here. Mel Tucker has all of my faith. I mean, uh, Kirby, I think I love it when you get shots of him on the TV where he gets in there and you can tell that he's actually kind of augmenting what uh, Coach Tucker is doing. But, um, yeah, I mean, I would, I would encourage you to pick up the Sports Illustrated, read the article on Baker Mayfield by Jack Dickey. It is a real good read, and I think it will echo the point that Tony is making. Well, I mean, I think the, the, the point about Baker Mayfield, is you're right, is we're going to be so tired of him, it, it, which is fine. Um, I, a lot of people made a big deal what he pulled against Kansas State. You know what? He is Kansas, 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 Kansas. He's he's Bill college... Snyder would have had a heart attack. Oh my god! He's a college football player. Plus Kansas started it. And uh, sure, Kansas started it. I, I'm sorry. We just, well, I'm just, uh, yeah. I mean, you can't honestly say I'm 49 years old. I can't honestly say I wouldn't have done the same thing. And I have kids. Heaven forbid a guy play with a lot of emotion and get right, fired. Right, 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 and... right, right. Yeah, I mean, shoot birds, Alabama fans, when you're down four touchdowns, Herbie. What? I'm sorry. We're talking about Tennessee now. Yes. Oh, my God. Uh, I put up for I, I, I defended a Tennessee player. Yeah, we got to do something different. Let's go to picks. We can do that. I think it's, let's go. Well, are we doing both uh, picks? Are we doing both? Oh, we, we have, oh we yeah, I guess we quickly. have to. If we do it quickly. quickly because quickly. It'll, it'll bore me and the listeners. I know. Well, there's a lot fewer games to get Good. to. Good. Well, let me give you an update real quick. Yeah, where did we end Tony, last week, by the way? Uh, I think it's tonight's games or tomorrow's games. I thought it was tomorrow's games. Is, I know is it the twenty seventh? Plays tonight. Texas. Yeah, let's, plays let's, tonight. let's just start tomorrow. Let's definitely, let's not redo some of the ones. We start tomorrow. <laughs> um, but so far, Tony, you are the highest ranked at twenty fifth place, Ooh. and that does not account for whatever bowl game. Just I've been did. streaky as hell. Um, will you're in forty third, and I'm in fifty third. Really but I will games. say I haven't moved. Yeah, bowl games picks. are not. Yeah, they're really no, not. Um, so UGA carries in second place. Of course, she is. And um, in 52nd place is a good friend of mine, uh, fraternity brother of mine, Dwayne Bray. So, Dwayne, I didn't even know you listened to this podcast. Dwayne! Thanks for uh, entering the podcast pool. Okay, we are starting with Friday night's games. We did not do Friday night's games because I would have snarled at Northwestern. Um, So, Friday, 1 p.m. ESPN, 
Belk Bowl, Wake Forest, 7-5 and five against Texas A&M, 7-5. Even though Texas A&M was with as coach, there's all sort of chaos. I am not going to take Wake Forest over an SEC team. Give me the body Demon Deeks. You're taking Wake Forest? You're damn right. You know, they've never played either. Georgia and Oklahoma never played, and neither is Texas A&M and Wake Forest. Okay. I'm going to take A&M and Kevin Sumlin's ghost. Just like Georgia and Illinois have never played. Give me some call fans. 3 p.m. Friday on CBS, the Hyundai Sun Bowl, oh, North Carolina State, 8-4, and four, number 24, North Carolina State, 8-4, against Herm Edwards. Uh, is he going to coach that he's, game? He's not. I don't, uh, that would have been great. It's crazy. Like, literally during signing day, he was doing his show on ESPN about the NFL. It's just the dumbest crap ever. Uh, they're going to, they're totally, I have a good friend that's an Arizona State guy. I feel terrible for him. Arizona State, 7-5. and five, Hyundai Sun Bowl. I am taking North Carolina State. This may be the last time Arizona State's in the bowl for a long time. They're going to, the Wolfpack's going to beat the crap out of them. I'll go with Dave Doran. Is that his name? Dave Doran. Dave Doran. Doran. Oh, Doran. Friday, 4.30 p.m. ESPN. The Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl. Kentucky, 7-5 against number 21, Coquettes, Northwestern, 9-3. and three. I am constitutionally incapable of picking Northwestern, so go other cats. I'll pick Kentucky just because Northwestern. I mean, I'm pretty sure I picked Northwestern in the pool, but... Did Kentucky give, give Georgia its best... I guess South Carolina gave it its best SEC East. Yeah. But Kentucky was right there. I'm defensively... As a defensive performance against our offense, yes. Yeah. But that probably was Missouri. Benny Snell's pretty good. And I am and, and for the record, I am not one of these and there's not many of us. I think it's overblown. I'm not one of these SEC guys who's like, we have to pull for the SEC. No. Because I look at all these teams no. like, I can't stand that team. Yeah. Uh, but I don't really have much hatred towards Kentucky yeah. uh, in football. Uh, so I'm going to go with the cats. Well, I, the wild cats. No, the, they're both wild. They're both I'm going to go cats. with the blue wild cats, not the I, purple. Yeah. I tweeted this the other day. It's asinine to root for your conference rivals just because they're in your conference. Yeah, you want the SEC asinine. to go one and what? Two 12. and 12. Yeah. Two and 12. Well, Georgia wins two games. Yes. Okay, I'll go with that. 5.30 p.m. CBS Sports Network. Nova Home Loans Arizona Bowl. Let me just say, first off, don't get a home loan from Nova. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Whoever it is. Yeah. Do not get a home loan from a PBS educational show. Or a, a college in Philadelphia. Yes. New Mexico State 6-6 six and six against Utah State 6-6. Six and six. I'm picking New Mexico State just because they're favored. Give me the Aggies. I think this is New they're Mexico both Aggies. State. That's the trick. Yes, they're both Wait, Aggies. They're both Aggies? Yes. Who, so who'd you pick? The Aggies. Okay, because it doesn't matter. But um, I think this is New Mexico State's first bowl ever. Oh, that's great. No, I think it's been about 74 years. Okay. I don't well, know. Yeah, but... Um, Lou Henson. Uh, I'll go with uh, the Utes from Aggie Lane. The other Utes. The, the other state Utes. Utes. Yeah. And the final game on the 29th Friday, 8.30 p.m. ESPN, the Cotton Bowl Classic. <laughs> The number eight Southern California Trojans, 11 and 2, against the number five Ohio State Buckeyes, 11 and 2. I also think this is a good game. Uh, I watched Iowa play against Boston College in the Penn State Bowl, and I cannot believe that 
They beat Ohio State by 30 points, proving once again how smart a decision the committee made by picking Alabama over Ohio State. I just can't pick a team to beat a team like USC that lost to Iowa by 30 points. I'm taking USC. Well, uh, my man Senek, who I'm staying with in Pasadena, is this big Southern Cal fans, and he has sworn off. He has sworn off the the Trojans. It's not actually true, but sworn off the Trojans till Clay Helton's fired. Um, having Sleep. no, he's pretty good. That's not what they expect. Um, by the way, 2024 Georgia, um, I, Ohio State matches up so well against their defense. I, I just got it. It kills me to pick an Urban Meyer coach team. You know what? Give me the Trojans. All right, there we go. <laughs> uh, my favorite meme of 2017 is sad pizza. Uh, my boys, love I, it. I, I love that you've discovered this yeah. three years after the fact. I know, I know. I, you're right. That is an older. Clip. I also love peanut butter jelly time. Peanut butter jelly time. I'm go how did you? How did you, of all people, miss Where are you that? Where are you going? I missed it. But to me, it's a me. It's. And, and my, my, my little one will just did peanut butter jelly. <laughs> I do. Oh, okay. I'm going to go with the Trojans. Mark Rex right. lost control of the podcast. Saturday, December 30th at noon on ESPN, the Tex Slayer Bowl. Who live will from Jacksonville. slay the Texas? The Louisville Cardinals, 8 and 4, against the number 23 Mississippi State Bull, other Bulldogs at 8 and 4. You can't pull for Petrino. Yeah. I'm not pulling for Petrino. I'm picking Louisville. It stinks. I would Dude. love to root for. I'd love to see Mississippi State win this, but yeah, it's a bummer, man. Like having Fitzgerald not there. Fitzgerald's gone. Mullen's gone. You got to pick Louisville. Yeah. Oh, Fitzgerald's out. He did, did you not see that? He broke his leg off. He's still walking backwards. <laughs> well, right. I mean, one foot is. <laughs> yeah, right. I missed that. That was uh, what? Yeah, I guess Mississippi, like the second quarter. It's like injured. I'd never. I I think I saw somebody. If you were not, don't don't see it. it. No, if you were watching live, they replayed uh, it like six times. Not in. I don't care. I I don't care about that game. Um, It's noon on the thirtieth. Yes. Uh, I'll pick Mississippi State, not because I'm an SEC homer, but because I despise Bobby Petrino. Twelve thirty. ABC. The AutoZone Liberty Bowl. Iowa State Cyclones. Seven and five against the number twenty Memphis Tigers. Why are you ten and that? two? Because I'm a professional broadcaster. I'm picking Iowa State. I am picking Memphis playing at home. Oh yeah, Memphis is going to destroy Iowa State. Bring it. ESPN four. You know how many PM. points Memphis scores on average? All the points. <laughs> Literally all of them. ESPN, 4 p.m., the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl on ESPN. Number 11, Washington Huskies, 10 and 2, against the number 9, Penn State Nittany Lions, 10 and 2. <clears throat> this is a low-key, really fun game. It's going to be super fun. This is, this is, this is going to be a blast. I, uh, I still feel like Penn State's losing his offensive coordinator. I still think there's a ton of talent there. I'm picking Penn State. Give me the Nittany Lions. The Huskies have never beat Penn State in their two previous meetings, and uh, I'm going to go with the Huskies this time. The Huskies and the final game of 2017. ESPN, 8 p.m., the Capital One. Georgia, Virginia, and the Peach Bowl. Bowl. Capital One, Orange Bowl. Number six, Wisconsin, 12 and 1 against your Mark Rick, number 10, Miami Hurricanes, 10 and 2. Two. Uh, kind of feels like Miami lost a little bit of steam as the thing got going. Wisconsin's fired up. I'm sad to say I'm picking Wisconsin. Bucky Badger. 
That number eight for Miami is really good. That Barrios guy, yeah. I think he's going to go off, and so I'm going to pick the U. And you know what? That turnover chain, they better end it this year, retire it, put it in a nice little museum because it won't mean the same thing next year. Yeah. It'll just kind of seem like uh, Rick has really kind of worn this thing out. Dude, it's Miami. That thing's going to go miss in the offseason and end up funding some <laughs> drugs in Columbia. It is a bummer. Like, you would like to see Miami. Whatever your thoughts about Rick. It would be nice to see. Like, this has been a breakthrough season for them. Yeah. At Wisconsin, this has been a pretty good year for them, but it'd be nice to see Miami. I'm, I mean, I'm not... I'm not picking Wisconsin because I hate Mark Rick. I love Mark Rick, but I just think Wisconsin's a much better team and matches up really well against Miami. New Year's Day 2018, if we make, I can't, hey, we will have made it to 2018, and that is a success. 17. We will have made it to 2018. Oh, two, yes. ESPN 2 at noon, the Outback Bowl, the Michigan Wolverines 8-4 and four, against the South Carolina Gamecocks 8-4. and four. I've been a proponent of Agent Muschamp's boys all year, but I do think Michigan beats them. No chance. You're taking Michigan? Or I'm taking South Carolina, South Carolina, and it kills me to do it, but I just think Michigan's... Totally overrated. Well, Jadavion Clowney's not taking any Michigan helmets off. <laughs> yeah. So I think the Wolverines are going to win. 12.30 p.m. ESPN, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. I was <clears> wondering <throat> about people that would attend this game that would be Georgia fans. Can you trust that you will be out of this game starting at 12.30? Why would you go to this game if you're a Georgia fan? Root against Auburn. Yeah, it's fine. It's just fun. It's a free football, football game. The tickets are cheap. It's like, that's how you view Georgia State games. Just like, oh yeah, it's fun to go to games. Beats doing anything else. Number twelve, Central Central Florida. What are they again? The Black Knights or just mm-hmm. the Knights now? They're yeah, the they're the Knights. Knights. They're the, yeah, they're just the Knights. Yeah, whatever. No, they're Black Knights. No, I think they dropped the Black Knights. Really? Yeah, Army's the Black Knights. Yeah, sure. I think you're right. Twelve and O Central Florida against the number seven Auburn Tigers. Ten and three. I feel really bad about this because I, I, my colleague Matt Brown at Sports and Earth has long argued for an eight-game playoff where the group of five teams or the BCS, the whatever, whatever the non-group of five teams, they get the eighth spot. There is literally no other sport on the planet at all where you can win every game and never even get the opportunity to play for a championship. That said, I spend no, most no, no. of my time rooting against those teams, so I don't have to justify this morally in my brain. I also think, handily, Auburn wins anyway. Well, no. If you win the Champions League, you merely get to be promoted to the EPL. Right. You win the championship of your league. Um, uh, this game's given me a lot of pause. Uh, this would, if Georgia wasn't playing at five, this, this would who we be were playing. Yeah, this, yeah. Well, if Georgia weren't playing, Georgia weren't playing the Rose Bowl, this who we be this playing? This is where they'd be, right? Exactly. Um, so, having said all of that, I keep coming back to this. This is very much a motivation game. I think Oklahoma. I'm sorry. Let me just rephrase that. I think Auburn has heard enough about. Uh, UCF and blah, the offense, blah, 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 and can't keep up with them and don't care uh, that they're going to win this football game. And I don't like picking Auburn worth a damn, but I still think that's what happens. I want Auburn to win based on one thing, the fact that they would have beat three teams who were previously undefeated <laughs> and played and won nothing. Played four and won nothing. Oh, okay. I like, I like it. I like Ooh, that. I like it. Yes, yeah, yeah. in spite. That's yeah, good, Scott. That's good. That's Absolutely. real good. Like Let the hate flow. <laughs> 
The final non-playoff game, 1 p.m. ABC, the Citrus Bowl, presented by someone. Number 14, Notre Dame, 9-3 and three against number 17, LSU, 9-3. and three. I will confess I am surprised that LSU is favored in this game. I am taking Notre Dame. Yeah, me too. If LSU does win, I th- I'm going to pick Notre Dame. But if LSU does win, that's going to be the most remarkable 10-win season I think I've seen in the last I agree. I'm with you. All right, guys. Serious business now. Right. We're going to skip. We're paid the sugar ball first. Sugar ball first. 8.45 p.m. And hopefully it will be at 8.45 start. If Georgia wins, that's ah! going to be the most enjoyable game to watch. Uh, you're totally right. You're totally right. Like, I, but if they lose, I am not watching no. one freaking down no. of this game. I'm watching plenty of it in the parking lot because apparently the traffic getting out of the Rose yeah, Bowl yeah, is bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, 8.45, the All-State Sugar Bowl, the college football semifinal. Number four, Alabama, 11-1. and one, It gets number one, Clemson, 12-1. and one. The thing I come back to in this game is Alabama should have won the national championship game last year, but they didn't because Clemson had Deshaun Watson, and that's why. That is why Clemson won that game last year. Clemson had a lot of talent. That was a good team. It was all Deshaun Watson, the reason they won that game. I don't have a problem with the quarterback now. He's not Deshaun Watson. I think Alabama, and frankly, I actually think Alabama kind of handily. The thing that I keep coming back to with this game is that Clemson had a really weird loss. And even though they lost Kelly Bryant, Kelly Bryant, mm-hmm. Kelly Bryant in that Syracuse game, they had no business losing that game. Yeah. They were so much more talented. Even if it's I mean, not like they lost that game because the quarterback. No, they just they just crapped the bed. Exactly. Utterly crapped the bed. Having said that. If they lose this game, if they lose this game, it's because they just crapped the bed. I think they're a better team than Alabama. I think they match up well with Alabama. I think, frankly, their offense is set for what Alabama wants to do. But where they shine is on defense. Clemson, and this because it's Clemson, no one really pays attention to this, Clemson's a really good defensive football team. I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. I think Clemson pulls it out. But it's going to be a really good football game. That's why I'm going to watch it, regardless of what happens to the Rose Bowl. I, just, I mean, I, I, it's going to be an awesome game. I just yeah. don't know emotionally if I'm going no, to I mean, it. No, no, no. I mean, I, this, this has all the potential to be 14-10, yeah. that, that kind of football game. All right, guys. Scott? Mm. I'll pick Alabama. Scott's just like, nah, He's like, shit. I don't want you guys here either. Are you, are you going to the Georgia pick now? <sighs> Yeah, unless okay. you want me to wait. Before you make your picks, okay. I, I wrote down some. Oh, he's got some trivia. No, no no trivia. Just some questions I want to answer. Uniform talk? You, huh? Uniform talk? No, no, they're going to wear the. It looks good. Yeah. I mean, the white so, jerseys. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a classic look. I'm wearing a white shirt because that's what I do. It's a road game. You match it. I'll be wearing yeah. my, my cool. Uh, your black shirt? Georgia yeah. tailgate yeah. Uh, yeah. hoodie. Um, so here's what I want from y'all. I want one before you make your score prediction. Who's going to win? I want one guarantee, something that you guarantee will happen in the game. Good, bad, ugly. <laughs> one bold prediction, which is similar but different from a guarantee. Okay, um, that could be something like that 
Scott Sinclair falls down trying to pull Kirby back from getting a penalty off the field. Uh, one big fear, that, like your biggest fear, um, halftime, is this, is, are the dogs going to be winning, losing, or are they going to be tied? There's a lot of questions. Um, the coin toss. Are you them down? I'm trying to. The yeah. coin toss. And I'll remind you. The coin toss. If you win the coin toss, do you take the ball or do you defer against Oklahoma? Mm-hmm. You defer. I, I didn't want you to answer that yet. Someone, someone I didn't want you to answer that had a, had a um, So those, those are just a couple things. And then finally, I don't know if you thought this much, based on the score, how does – who scores those touchdowns or kicks those field goals for Georgia? How are they going? You don't have to be precise. Rodrigo kicks the field goals. <laughs> that is right. No, because, so, because gonna, Kirby is spiteful. I'm going to hold your hand. <laughs> He's I'm still testing. I'm going to hold your hand and walk you. So who wants to go first, Tony or Will? Can we do them together? Let's do questions. We'll, we'll okay, okay let's, so roll Tony, through, let's roll through the questions. Tony, you're, okay, before you make your score prediction, right. you're one, what do you guarantee is going to happen? Rodrigo's kicking at least – Four touchbacks. Okay. So they're going to have at least three scores. It's going to be at least no. nine to nothing. <laughs> Let's, go that. Let's go with that. Let's go with that. Or six for Oklahoma. At least, at least four touchbacks. Okay. Well, what, is you, what are you going to guarantee that happens? And it, and it can be something right. that happens in the stands. There will be a <laughs> moment where you will be watching your television and you will want to grab Baker Mayfield <clears throat> by the throat and pull his, tra- his trachea out through his nostrils. Uh, he's going to drive you. There's really been no one since Manziel. And before Manziel, I guess Tebow, but even Tebow was a different thing. No, he was was, was annoying. But it was a different kind of annoying. Um, Like Tebow, there was a... There was a holier now aspect for Tebow, whereas Manziel's a jackass and Mayfield's a jackass. But in like well, you want him Tebow's to be, a jackass. You want him to be your jackass, and <laughs> I do not want Tebow to be my jackass. I know. Well, you know what I mean. No, I'm saying that like I, I know. I'm saying Mayfield and Manziel. If he were on your team, you'd feel really cocky and awesome that he was on your team. But because he's not, you hate him. There will be a moment, even if you have not watched Baker Mayfield. He's a non-SEC guy. If you've not watched a lot of Baker Mayfield this year, you will. There, he will do something, and you will hate him with the passion of a thousand sons. My guarantee, and this is not going to be popular, but I'm just being honest because it, this is reality. There's <laughs> going to be a stretch. Maybe it's a series. Maybe it's two series. Could be for offense or defense where you're going to want to pull your hair out for a couple of dumb holding penalties or maybe a block in the back or a late hit by uh, – by Dominic Sanders or something out of bounds, but there's going to be a stretch where it seems like it goes on forever and it's not going to, maybe it sways the game. Maybe it doesn't, but I know I saw it in the SEC championship game. We saw it against Auburn. We've seen it against other games this season where it's just, this is like the Notre Dame, the, the Holy field return against Notre Dame and then a block in the back. So there's going to be a stretch where you're going to want to just also pull your hair out or grab somebody um, with some penalties that you're going to wonder if this is going to determine the game or not. Uh, all right, Tony, one bold prediction. Georgia will run a play that breaks Twitter. I like that. Man, Twitter could really use breaking. Um, I will say um, the one thing that will surprise me, is that the idea? Just any kind of bold prediction. Bold prediction. And it doesn't have to be anything that happens on the field either. I think that this game will run – the Alabama-Clemson game is going to have to start late. 
That's my bold Really? Is going to have to start late. Wow. So it's going to be on ESPN Classic. So you think it's a shootout? I think it's either there are enough points scored and enough extra. I mean, oh, you've so, got three so you and think half ESPN's hours. making money. You've got three okay. hours and forty five minutes. Okay, all right. Lots yeah. of push. If it's a close game, I think it's, that's my bold prediction. That game has to start late. My bold prediction is you're going to wake up on the first hangover or not, probably with a hangover, and you're going to turn on ESPN Game Day at 9 a.m. and they're going to be broadcasting there, and you're not going to believe how beautiful all the colors look, how gorgeous the skies look, and you're going to be sitting there pinching yourself saying, George is in the Rose Bowl. Kind of like how Tony's been saying all night. You are going to just kind of go over in your mind. I've been reading some tweets from people. I've got a couple of fraternity brothers that are out that live in LA and they keep saying, I can't believe this is happening. Can't believe this is happening. <laughs> I saw our uh, Twitter friend generation X had a picture of her Georgia flag on her car on Twitter saying, I can't believe this is happening. And so that's what all of us at home or Tony that's in the stadium, you're just going to look and gaze upon it saying, I can't believe this is happening. And that is, <laughs> I mean, that's almost a guarantee, but that is a bold prediction that you are going to be in awe of the, I guess, the status of it all. You totally overrate uh, my possibility of being able to stay up late and get, like, if we, if I'm going to, my wife will be asleep by midnight by mm-hmm. probably 10 30. Are you, will you guys make it up to midnight? On well, New Year's Eve? New Year's Eve? Yeah. No. Are you not going to make it up? Well, I mean, East Coast time, yeah. Yeah, but you're not making it no, up. No, no, man, I'm, I don't. No, yeah, I don't. I don't deal with new, no. no I, I don't gotta impress anybody so, well, anymore. What point are you making? I, I'm just saying that, like the I, you said that if you're hungover for oh, New sure. Year's Eve, yeah. I think I'm probably not gonna be hungover for New Year's Eve. Are you making it to midnight? Will you be up drinking and partying and celebrating? Uh, yeah, well, I know my wife will, so I might as well keep her company. Yeah. Okay. All right. That seems because that's how she rolls. Seems good strategy. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, one fear, Tony. What's what's one guaranteed fear you have? Three plays, 21 points for Oklahoma. Yeah. I, I guess I was going to say something similar. Not three plays, but bam, bam, bam. Like, that's the fear. Because then it starts, then they start pressing. We saw in the Auburn game when things start rolling the wrong way, which they've not really rolled the wrong way any other time this year. When things are rolling the wrong way, that's when you saw fumbles. That's when you saw Sony yeah, Michelle yeah, in the personal foul. <laughs> That's I mean, the fear. I mean, three plays, 21 points is kind of a metaphor, but yeah. yeah. Uh, three drives, 21 points. My, my fear is... If a, they're long drives, I'm okay with it. But Yeah, if they're quick hits. My, you know. my, my fear is one of those uh, turnovers in your own territory. 30-yard <clears throat> line or in, pick, fumble, yeah, that's, something like that's, that. That's, that's seven Esta points. That's seven yeah. Esta points. That's a fear of mine. All right, uh, halftime. Uh, will Georgia be winning, losing, or tied at halftime? I don't need a score. Let's go with Todd. I think Georgia will be losing at halftime. I think Georgia will be winning at halftime. Huh? Look at that. We hit all the I options. I guarantee you uh, one of us is going to be right. That's right. That's our guarantee. Um, all right. And so win the toss. Do you take the ball or defer? Defer. Okay. I don't get Look, I, I, I get. I mean, is there maybe. maybe there are, kind of- no, no. There are people like, oh, against big offenses, you, you take the ball. No, you defer. Always defer. I'm afraid to answer and give my opinion. I, I, I and mean, your logic to that is. So angry about it. You have such a good defense. Yeah. Put them on the field. Yeah. That's your best unit. Put them on the field. Well, of course, Oklahoma would say the exact same thing. Who cares? If you don't come in this game, think you're going to win this game because of your defense. Yeah, but isn't you've already lost an onside kick? No. Uh, <laughs> but isn't star of the second half? Yeah. <laughs> that is. Isn't there an argument to be made that 
the way Georgia wins this game is by controlling the pace of the game and controlling how this is going. If you can have a long, sustained mm. drive to start the game, I'm not. I think I probably am with you on defer, but the argument is if you can have a long, sustained drive to start the game and get points on the board, and all of a sudden Oklahoma, who's you know their offense is bursting to go, like they're. Mm. They're, 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 they're ready to bust out of the gates. And you're, the, the value of having them not get the ball until midway through the first quarter as opposed to them getting the ball first and scoring immediately, I think there's an argument to be made. I think I'm probably with you on Defer, but there is an argument to be made. Honest question. Who's the best player on the field? The best player uh, total the whole of uh, both teams, all the hundred and two hundred fifty players. I mean, it's Baker Mayfield or Rokon Smith. I mean, it's one of those two. If Baker's not one, I mean, if 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 Baker's one, who's two? Rokon. Who's three? Bellamy, Carter, Chubb. I mean, because I think it's I, I personally, I think it's I think it's. I think it's Carter, frankly, and I think fourth is another defensive player. So, I mean, to me, I didn't know this question would uh, drive so much debate. It's a good point. I I get what you're saying. I really get what you're saying. My point is, is that if you have the option of deciding what you're going to do with the ball, you want to be you want to be proactive. You want to put your best unit on the field first. And George's best unit is defense. I mean, I get it. I get it. I get it. I I I think I'm actually I've talked myself into saying you don't defer. I think I think you want the ball first if you're Georgia. But your argument, I understand it. I just escaped it. Okay, so for for predictions, I just slapped him in the face. Will you ignorant slut? <laughs> for predictions, I'm going to go first, and then I want Will to go, and then I want the man who's going to the game Ooh, to go last. Shit. Totally right. fair. Um, so right. I think what's going to happen. I've kind of I've kind of mind mapped this out. I think it's it's. Like I said earlier about how there's going to be a section of time where you're going to be wanting to yell at the TV or maybe yell at the person sitting next to you, whether they're young or old or even understand what's what's going on in the game um, because of some, you know, just college players making mistakes. But they're going to be effort mistakes. They're not going to lose their mind. You're not going to see Sonny Michel getting a personal foul penalty like he did against Auburn. I think that is a good thing, and I think that is a good omen because – I think it's going to be naturally a hard-fought game. It's going to be back and forth. Will is correct. It's going to run long because not just the commercials, but it's actually going to be a lot of scoring, I think. Um, I think Javon Wims gets the first Georgia touchdown on a big pass play. I think that Oklahoma quickly answers and then goes ahead uh, by about 10 points after that to be about 17-7. I'm not. I'm going to spare you with the rundown of play by play, but I think Hardeman at some point in the second or third quarter busts one open with the special teams play. Whether he scores or not uh, remains to be seen. But yeah, I have it down that he is going to score, so he will score on a special teams play. And then Chubb and Sony also get touchdowns along with two field goals from Rodrigo, bringing the final score in the Rose Bowl: Georgia 34, Oklahoma 31. All right. Um... To me, this comes down to can Georgia, if pushed, score big and quickly? 
And if they don't have to, they're going to win this game by 17 points. And Big, this is all... Bigly and quickly? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> if they don't have to score quickly, Georgia has that firm control of the game that we've talked about, and they don't got to worry about this. I just don't think that's going to work out that way. I think Oklahoma's going to score fast. Even with Georgia's defensive talent, this is a, a very efficient Oklahoma team that also has big playability. That is a very scary thing to run uh, as a defense against, even if you're a great defense. It's just the type of offense that Georgia just doesn't face very often. And that makes me nervous, and it would make me less nervous if I felt that if Georgia needed to, it could it and it had to could score very quickly. I just don't know if it can. Maybe it can. And if Georgia can, I think they win this game. But that I know this has been the story all year. Every time I've picked against Georgia, it's all come down to I think Fromm can't do it. Let's face it. That's literally been the thing from the beginning of the year since Eason got hurt. The thing that has I've questioned about this team all year, can Fromm do it? Clearly, he's been better than I thought he was going to be. Clearly, he has earned every single thing that he's got. I still just don't think he can match up with the Heisman Trophy winner. And unfortunately, I feel like this is a game where he's going to have to. I'm picking Oklahoma 41, Georgia 31. <clears throat> Looking at the three phases of the game, um, I think it's clear Rodrigo needs to, special teams, Rodrigo needs to kick uh, the ball out the end zone to leverage field position, right? I mean, that's the one thing. Uh, when you look at uh, Bill Connolly's stats, that's, that's what Oklahoma has fallen behind on is field position. Um, and then you think about you, you need to always score points whenever you get inside the scoring position. Now, with Conley, it's inside the 40. Um, traditionally, it's inside the 20. You all have to always score points. And then, you know, Scott brought up something earlier that that has, I, I've been tossing around in my head. It's like we've been really close to breaking something loose, whether that is Wims, Holyfield, whoever. We've been really close to breaking something loose. I think this is a game where that could happen. So when you look at uh, defense, I think that's the second most important part we're on defense is we need to force them to be uncomfortable in their offensive game plan. And I think we can do that a little bit. But we also have to make Mayfield carry uh, carry them and earn his Heisman. Now, he's won the Heisman already. It doesn't really matter. The Heisman curse is real or not real, depending on who you talk to. But you got to make Mayfield earn it. You can't let Anderson beat you. You can't let uh, the other running back, whoever yeah. that is, beat you. You have to make you have to make Mayfield beat you with his arm or with his legs. Um, and then offensively, you got to do your thing. Um, Georgia has run some spread concepts, uh, particularly sneaking out from on the quarterback keeper. Uh, you know, our flex and power toss has been very important. Our quarterback keeper and the jet, jet sweeper is probably going to be important in this game. I also think we start out our first play with that flea flicker and we score a touchdown. <laughs> I just think that's what we're going to do. I mean, they've I tried mean, it three times this year. Well, why not? Why not do it again, right? Um, that we'll, would be my smart boner, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all have that Chaney? now. I think we all Do have, you have that a now. One? I have a guy Chaney boner. Have you seen too. Chaney? I don't know. That's no, no, a hard Hey, answer. what's wrong with fat guys? That, um, that, that is, that, there is a difference between 
There's a big difference between Cheney and you. I mean, part part <laughs> there is a big difference. So part of me wants to say Rodrigo kiss a game winning field goal. I did that in the SEC championship game. I was I was right. He did kick a game winning field goal. He it did? just just happened in the second quarter. <laughs> yes. Um, what I think happens here is that Oklahoma scores on more drives than Georgia does. I think they score more field goals than Georgia scores touchdowns. I think Georgia wins this game 38-33. And I think it is a, a really close game. I think Oklahoma is probably driving at the end of the game uh, because that's what they do. But I think Georgia wins this football game, and we play in Atlanta a week from Monday. That would be How fun. much will the tickets go for if it's Georgia-Alabama? A Brazilian dollars. <laughs> I'm worried about Did you say that Brazilian dollar. Yes, yeah. I'll worry about that Tuesday morning. And you, you know, that's. I mean, basically, you've you've uh, described the Notre Dame model. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, yeah. look, I, I was I was pretty clear about it earlier when I talked about the Notre Dame game that I think that's what's going to happen. On um, we're going to test out whether or not defense wins championships. Yeah. We're going to test out at the SEC defense versus Big Twelve offense. We just we're just going to. That's the way it's going to go. Um, I don't, I don't for a second think we're going to hold them under. I, I'm clearly, I predict them to score 33 points. I don't think we're going to hold them under under our whatever it is 29. They've scored at least 29 every game. I, I just don't see that happening. Um, I do think we're going to put them in a position where they're kicking more field goals than they like to kick, and I just think we're going to score points because their defense is it's. Their defense is their defense. It's going to be fun, guys. I can't wait. Y'all are going, we're going to the Rose Bowl. You are going to the Rose Bowl. No, George is going to the Rose Bowl. We are all going to the Rose Bowl. And by the way, I will probably be doing some uh, – I'll drop Scott some shorts, some pod, some short podcast. Believe me, if we win, I'll be talking a lot from the parking lot because that's what I do. Right, Will? And, yes, um, <laughs> I was totally not ready to answer any of the questions Seriously, the Notre Dame game, a little inside baseball. The Notre Dame game was like, all right, we're doing a podcast. We'll talk. I'm like, he was like, um, I, um, I haven't been able to feel my um, lips in four hours. Will have been um, drinking heavily. <laughs> we all drink heavily. I'm pretty sure we went through two handles. We, uh, I think. we showed up. But there were seven of us. We so. represented. It was a great day, and I think Monday will be too. And housekeeping-wise, we've got a couple of podcast reviews and tweets. We're going to yeah, table that. This is serious business. This, right? is, it's, this it just doesn't fit the vibe. It's like reading a great book, and then yeah. the last paragraph, you're like, what? Yeah. So, so here's a question, Tony. Yes. When do you come back? I am back Wednesday night. So if, if we win, we can plan on doing something Thursday night. So, yeah. So are we going to do a post-game Skype call? I guess we won't. I guess that's my question. Can you? What are you doing on Tuesday? Could. I'm going to be in Joshua Tree, but I can take my computer if I have to. You just have your cell service in Joshua. Yeah, I can have my phone. Yeah, Yeah. why not? I like the fact that like you could be in a desert. It would be better than your cell phone coverage than you actually have. That's true. (laughs) that's a great point. By the way, I got an email from AT and T. I'm supposed to be getting UVerse, so that's not going to help. And um, yeah, so sure, let's let's do something. We can do something. We got to do a post game on absolutely. We can do a post game on Tuesday, but if if we win, let's plan on doing something Thursday to preview that. Like actually get together and do this all over. Again. Oh, I think yes. we've got to. I mean, come on. I would love to. George is going to play the national championship game, and we're not yes. going to get together. For I, I mean, right. I could podcast the rest of my life if yeah. that happens. Yeah. So well, this is this is episode one twenty three. 
So that'll Y'all, be this is what we've been working for. It's, I mean, this, it's, is, this is 123rd. If somebody had told us that day we were recording episode one, when it was ourselves, June, yeah. yeah. Uh, if somebody had said episode 123 is going to be quite special, they said Rosebell would be like, get out of here. You're go home. You're drunk. Yeah, go home. You're drunk. All right, guys. It is serious business now. I encourage this last thing. Seriously, if you're in Athens, come by Livewire. I'm not hosting it or anything. I'm just at the table like everybody else. But I think it'd be fun to bottle service. uh, Yes, exactly. Yeah, yes. Livewire, not toppers for its bottle service. Um, I always feel bad because I I don't drink like uh, a lot of. Everyone's here into the craft beers. Like I like I like like crappy American. I'm Midwestern. We like crappy American. Crappy American bourbon. But yes, I like bourbon is different. But um, the live wire, be I'll be there. I think uh, look for the look for the uh, six year old. I'll be in uh, Lane Creek yeah. at some friend's house. Yeah, huh. yeah. I'll, I'll be at the Rose Bowl. You will be at the Rose Bowl. That's yeah. all so, I'll be watching. My God, I'm so. Excited. I'm going to be around. I think 16 children. So I will not. Well, yeah, I'll be around 92,000 no. children. This is like Jonestown <laughs> over there. Um, <laughs> All right. All right, guys. Serious business. Go dogs. Go dogs. And thanks so much for listening. As you heard during our show, Tony will be out in Pasadena for the game. So if you see him, make sure to stop and say hello. And while you're at it, tweet us some pictures of Tony and you hanging out or tag us in your Instagram pictures. We'd love to see any and all pictures surrounding the Rose Bowl game and retweet them on your behalf or regrand them on the Instagram. It's indeed an exciting time. So soak it all in, whether you're going to be in Athens, Atlanta, or California. And win or lose, the three of us will be back next week with a post-game reaction. And if things go really well there might be a preview show well there would be if things go really well a preview show for another game that is played in atlanta the week after so safe travels to all of you have a happy new year's and thanks so much for being interactive and making this 2017 season of our podcast so memorable for us we'll see you on campus very soon and tony will see you in california go dogs Safe, 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 safe. One hour, <laughs> one hour, fifty-four minutes. That's safe, a record. Safe, 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 safe. Dude, I got a four and a half hour flight. What do I care? Yeah. Are you gonna listen to this on your flight? You damn right. But you've already, you'd be listening to what you already talked about. That's yeah, a, but I'm no four and a half hour flight. <laughs> I'm sure you'll have like an entertainment center. I'm on, I'm on Greyhound Air. Oh, what are you I'm taking, Spirit. Spirit? Oh, you're on Spirit. You got to stand up on those things. No, no, no. I'm in the front. They do. I think they have stand-up seats on Spirit Airlines. I'm in the better front seats. So Spirit, four years ago, got rid of their first class, business class, um, and they, they kept the seats, and you can pay more to have those seats, and I went ahead and paid for them because I'm still $275 cheaper than flying LAX. Wow, Spirit Air. I, I think yeah, of the, you know what I figure you know what you know what I, I picture on mine. You've seen uh, the Muppet movie where they yeah, toss okay, them yeah. out of the plane yes, yes. and they land in London. Yes. But we're but we're we are sitting. Chris and I sit. We're sitting in the second row. And we have two seats. Only two seats in our aisle. Yeah, we have room. We have room. That yeah. They they used to have four, uh, eight first class seats, and they stopped doing that. And they just started selling those seats and the big put and put a big front seat and I went ahead and got it. But do people actually stand on Spirit? I've I've read dude, I read an article and it must be true. They talk about it. It's on the internet? It's on the internet. I can't imagine the the other is actually. No, they talk about it. Uh, Ryan Ayer has also talked about it, but they haven't done it.
Okay, well, safe travels. Hope you don't get you know tossed out like Fozzie and you know Kermit. Why?